Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. You're listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast, a sample of the best pro wrestling podcasts we can produce on our tiny budget. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, CastBox, and all other podcast platforms. If it's wrestling you want, check out more of our great content at podmania.co.uk. Let's do this. And welcome to episode 100 of the Podmania podcast. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we have been around for 100 episodes. No, I don't know how we've done it either, but somehow we have, despite many, many an internet issue. I'm joined by Chris and Garth. Gentlemen, how are you? This is the equivalent of Suzuki and Ishii just hitting each other, except we're hitting our fans. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> I mean, when I phrased that question, that wasn't exactly how I anticipated <laughs> I it mean, going. They had, to sit, they had to sit through something like 30 solo podcasts from me. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I think that, you know, with episodes 99 and 100 and, you know, going on, I think they've got us in a nice, concise, hour and a half weekly podcast as opposed to us bludgeoning them with constant <laughs> content. Yeah. Absolutely, like... Peppering people's earlobes with <laughs> yeah. We're back tones. again. <laughs> <laughs> but no, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. It is episode 100, and we have got an absolutely jam-packed episode. We have got New Japan news. We've got New Japan reviews. We've got Garth reviewing Impact Uncaged. Did John Morrison slash Johnny Mundo slash Johnny Impact keep his title? Did Taya Valkyrie... I don't keep... actually know. <laughs> Did Taya Valkyrie keep her title in one of the most boring Impact reigns ever? And we're going to talk about Elimination Chamber, all the shit that went down on Raw, and all the shit that went down on SmackDown. However, boys, however, you know how we start these podcasts now. Are you are you ready? Are you ready for Rob Reads the News? The Ring Row Roundup, are you ready? Cue the music. Let's, let's do it, boy. Let's do this. Ring Row Roundup. Ladies and gentlemen, unfortunately, Pedro Morales passed away on the 12th of February, aged 78, after several years battling Parkinson's disease. The man was most famous for his reign with the WWF Championship, and he will be sorely missed. Keeping with WWE, WWE grossed over over $930 million in revenue in 2018, with a $98,719,000 profit. Both records up from $800 million and $32 million, one. 116,000 respectively from last year. Speaking about AEW, Double or Nothing sold out in 25 minutes on pre-sale with the rest of the uh, tickets selling out in the following four minutes. AEW have also announced the following schedule. May the 25th will be Double or Nothing, the show that has officially become the first same-day sellout for a pro wrestling show in Las Vegas ever. On June 2019, there is an unspecified show, believed to be in the USA. 
July 2019, there is believed to be another unnamed show, this time in Jacksonville, and this is the one that they are donating all proceeds to anti-gun crime charities. On August 2019, there is a yet unconfirmed show at the Royal Albert Hall. In September 2019, there is All Out, the full brand launch, and when they will be giving a lot of details about weekly TV and things like that. And in October 2019, we are going to get our first weekly TV show from AEW. Going to New Japan now, they return to the UK on August 31st with Royal Quest at the Copper Box Arena. Dave Meltzer has already announced that it will be a loaded show with three top Japanese wrestlers going to be there confirmed. One of them is almost certainly going to be Okada. New Japan have also announced the cards for Honor Rising Nights 1 and 2, Takashi Izuka's retirement show at New Japan Road on the 21st of February, and have announced two title matches for the anniversary show. Going out about and on the indies, Tessa Blanchard has become the new Woman of Wrestling champion, defeating Jungle Girl. Eddie Edwards has signed a new long-term contract with Impact just a week after announcing a return to Pro Wrestling Noah to challenge for the GHC Heavyweight Tag Team Championships alongside Atsushi Katoji. Pac and Will Ospreay fought to a 30-minute time limit draw at Rev Pro High Stakes at York Hall on the 16th of February. The Royal Rumble, going back to WWE very briefly, in 2020 will be held at another baseball stadium, this time at the Minute Maid Park in Houston, Texas. Also, Jane, Jimmy Uso, I believe Naomi's husband, has been arrested for some kind of assault. We'll get into that in a minute because there is some absolutely deliciously wonderful rumours going on around that. And finally, Jushin Thunder Liger will replace Will Ospreay at OTT Wrestling Scrappermania 5 on the 16th of March, while Flip Gordon will be replacing him on his other dates due to New Japan Cup commitments. That, ladies and gentlemen, is all the wrestling news. Very good. <laughs> can I, can, for discussion, can we start on how much money... WWE is earning because people tend to think we're in the doldrums just looking at TV ratings, but in reality, WWE gross all that didn't gross nearly as much money in the attitude era because their ratings are high because of the type of content they were putting out. This family friendly product, as much as we may hate it at times, it can produce amazing stuff, but as much as we may hate it at times, especially when Roman Reigns is quoting Looney Tunes. <laughs> um, it brings in the money. Like not only do merchandise is so much easier, they get like KFC brand deals, which is going to be worth millions and millions of dollars, and they're getting two billion dollars of the fox of their DVD deal. So, like it, it's effective. Like ratings aren't as big as um, don't matter as much as they used to. And that's why Vince, everything he does, he says, "Well, we're doing everything right because we're making more money than ever." <laughs> so why change? This is exactly. the first time that their profits have reached this quite ridiculous height to be perfectly honest mm. they've reached other heights of they've touched 50 million in profit before in uh, previous years but that is mainly because of film franchises that have grossed quite a lot of money things like the marine and things like that that have helped bring the profits up but as a standalone profit um 98 million is a ridiculous amount and to gross almost a billion dollars in a in a single year is is an astonishing feat and Yes, many, many people can complain about the product. And yes, the product is nowhere near as good as it perhaps should be. It's it's getting there at the moment. SmackDown is putting on fantastic shows, as is NXT and 205 Live. But that's nothing to do with 
the money that they're raking in. You look at the money that they're raking in, you know, it's it's from these deals with Fox. You know, it's with yeah. these deals with KFC. It's with these deals with whatever ridiculous toy is sponsoring Elimination Chamber and things like that. And, you know, look at things like the Royal Rumble. They're selling out baseball stadiums. So they're <laughs> obviously doing that's... something right. They have been named, like, big shows like the Rumble, like Mania, they have been named by whether they're going to be selling out stadiums anyway. Like, like we, we were talking about before, like, I don't think any of us, with the, with the exception like SmackDown and NXT, watch WWE on a weekly basis. But we'll still tune in for Mania, we'll st- still tune in for the Rumble, we'll still tune in for SummerSlam. Yeah, they're so, huge staples. They're huge staples of the wrestling calendar. They, they, they've got us by the bars, we're never going to stop watching. Well, that's the thing. It's like no matter how shit it gets, we will always go back. Even just through curiosity, even just to say, right, well, I'll check it out to see what it's like now. Unless, unless you're someone who grew up watching Big Daddy on fucking World of Sport or something, you grew up watching WWE. That's what you know. That's yeah. what you'll always eventually go back to. Like I don't watch, I don't keep up with anything but NXT. I um, and SmackDown. I still subscribe to the network. Just because it's such a good value. Well, you so said, much other stuff. Yeah. Exactly. You you messaged us the other day saying that you were watching something, you know, from a videotape <laughs> that you had when you were little from the British Bulldog taking on the Warlord. <laughs> yeah. So like they had the Silver Vision VHS collections up on there, and um, they, they're not especially good collections. But I had the Bulldog one, and there's an amazing match of the Warlord, and that's what I like about WWE Network. There's just Everything is on there. Like fucking smack and whack 'em is on there. Uh, <laughs> Good quality even programming. Like Q- yeah, even like the curated content. And there's so much we can still throw up. We can still throw up fucking FCW TV, OVW TV. We could throw up, I don't know, the XFL. It's like there's still so much we can put on. And we're doing original content. Like if you're a wrestling fan, you That's want the, thing, the network. Yeah. It's it it is. I mean, there's something for everyone, which is why it's so good. I think as well, once me and you, Chris, have spoken about this this monopolization of WWE in the UK, if they do gain the rights to things like Progress, to things like OTT, to things like ICW, to then have their weekly TV shows or any kind of content on the network on top of everything we've got for the WWE, it's going to be an absolutely oh, yeah. phenomenal bargain. Now, obviously, they are going to have to bump the prices and obviously they're talking about a tiered system of subscription. But there is going to be a phenomenal amount on there. Phenomenal. And they are going to rake in money. I think oh, over absolutely. here, the, the biggest problem they have, I don't know if it's just here or if it's everywhere, is Raw. They don't show Raw because of the Sky deal. Oh, yeah. But there's been like a month-long delay, which to be fair, most of their money comes from the TV deals. So they'd be stupid to go against yeah. it. Yeah, if they streamed Raw and SmackDown in the same way they stream NXT and 205 Live, they're, they're literally cutting a hole in their pocket because yeah. we've we've already talked about it. It is Fox that they've just signed this, They've signed these multi-billion <laughs> yeah. dollar deals for. You know, no one's going to tune in because, you know, they're just going to go, well, it's easier to watch it on the network. Yeah. So, you know, it. even though it would be great to have that, it, it's not going to happen. It makes no financial sense at all. Um, Pedro Morales. Uh, per- Pedro Morales, even. Um, I'll be honest, it came as a bit of a shock that he died. Um, it's awful that he has. It came as a shock he was still alive. Well, that sounds awful. No, no, no. I, I understand like, what you he's, mean. He's one of those things you hear about and you just see him like a, 
a cow gotch or something. It was just he's definitely not like he must have died before I started watching or something. But yeah, no, he's still about. I mean, allegedly he was really good. I've never seen him wrestle. Well, that's where I was going to ask, uh, Garth, as our resident yes. old person. <laughs> Um, I was hoping that you could shed some light on Pedro Morales. Um, obviously, <clears throat> being alive when he was uh, when he was wrestling in his teens. <laughs> in his... <laughs> exactly. Um, to be honest, I don't really remember because I think he was in the WWF quite late on in the sort of earlyish nineties. I think it might have been. Yeah, I think he might have had a couple of matches against Bret Hart, um, but nothing that I can really sort of remember. A standout, but he's always somebody who, whenever you read somebody's like autobiography, his name pops up all over the place. Especially, I mean, like I said, like especially in Bret Hart's, like in Bret Hart, even put a tweet out saying, sort of one of the best wrestlers or the most underrated. Um, he always had a great match, so it's pretty sad. I mean, but he's obviously left some sort of imprint on the business, which is yeah. good. Yeah, um, he's one of the. I can't remember if he is the or if he's one of the longest. In fact, he has the most combined reigns. Sorry, most combined days as think, Intercontinental Champion. Um, he did is. He, did he not have a? Would he not one of the the few people to take the belt off Sammartino? No, um, Sammartino dropped the belt, and then the person he dropped it to, which I believe is Kolov. I could right. be right. I could be wrong, sorry. Um, Pedro Morales then take, took the belt off him. Right, yeah. Um, but The Miz currently, just to give you some uh, some indication, The Miz is currently in second place for combined reigns with the uh, Intercontinental Championship. He has held it for 599 days. Mora- that was with eight reigns. Morales has held it in two reigns for 619 days. Jesus. So, and that's what it meant something the, as well. Yeah, there exactly. wasn't weekly TV back then. It was like once a month at MSG. So. No, and we know how Vince loves to break records, so the chances are that he's <laughs> going to be broken very, very soon and probably by The Miz. Um, yeah. But he will be sorely missed, and our thoughts, prayers are obviously with his family. Um, so, last bit of WWE news I wanted to talk to with you guys before we move on to um, a couple of announcements out of New Japan. Um, so, as we all know, Whichever of the Usos that Naomi's married to, which I can never remember, I think it's Jimmy, um, but I can never be sure. Um, basically, they have been arrested, or he has been arrested, I should say. Now, there is rumours from almost every news site that they have done this deliberately to get themselves <laughs> fired from the WWE so that they can sign with All Elite Wrestling. <laughs> Anyone will start any fucking rumour nowadays, won't they? The, honestly, though, this this was on some, like, quite quite decent news sites, quite respectable news sites. And I remember looking at it the first time it popped up and I was like, well, that's kayfabe news. And then I was like, oh, shit, no, it's not. What the <laughs> fuck is this? I mean, honestly. That I mean, is honestly. A, a stretch. Aren't there, that's um, an absolute stretch. Aren't there deals Just up in... Do what Nails did in an attack against man. Exactly. Their deals are up extremely soon, yes. Um, so why not? Why would they not just stick around for Mania, which is pretty much... I mean, they'll probably be on the card unless he's in prison. Um, and then... <laughs> the, job mistake you're making here, is, the mistake you're making here is thinking that Marx <laughs> like, um, think logically. 
That is true. That is true. 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 Um, I just <laughs> I wanted to I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't on my own thinking no, that that is such see. a ridiculous, ridiculous sort of notion. The fact that someone is willing to get themselves arrested in real life just to get to AEW. It, it's absolutely asked, mental. Uh, I wonder if that asked, uh, Just do what Titus and Neil did and just touch Vince on the shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Titus, Titus has had the worst time, hasn't he, really, when you consider his awful, awful run. Bless him. Um, but yes, Jimmy Uso has been arrested. I believe he's now out, especially as they have got an Elimination Chamber match tonight against The Miz and Shane McMahon for the tag team titles, which I think it's safe to say they aren't winning. Um <laughs> But yeah, just wanted to make sure, boys, that it wasn't just me thinking, this has got to stop now. Yeah. Um, I just I'm sick to... of AEW oh, already. I'm not sick of AEW. I'm sick of the inevitable rumours that are going round with the whole thing. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Things like, oh, The Undertaker has retired and he's put, mm. you know, he's taken all manner of AEW, uh, sorry, WWE out of his Twitter bio. I don't give a fuck. Okay, if he appears at Starcast, brilliant. He's not going to have a match with Cody Rhodes. Watch, he'll have a match with Cody now. If he does, if he does genuinely, I will eat my hat. I will eat a hat. If he if he has a match, if that's who Cody's opponent is, a double or nothing, I will eat a hat. You'll buy a hat and eat it. I will buy a hat and eat it. That is how absolutely ridiculous Undertaker's it is. hat. Yes, I will eat the Undertaker's hat. <laughs> I'll take it off and I'll have the weird hat mark as well. You just go. You just walk up to him at Starcast, take off his hat, and start eating it. Like, what the fuck are you doing? It's like it's like podcast, man. Security. <laughs> um. So as I was mentioning before, on the website, uh, I've recently done an article, um, which is five Takashi Izuka matches you need to see. And to say it was, that a, must have been hard for you. It was very hard. I am not a fan of Izuka, and. Every time he comes onto my screen, I skip the matches. Um, this is primarily because his his entire gimmick of this uncontrollable wild man is extremely boring and extremely predictable and extremely tried out. And just it carries on and it carries on and it carries on and it's extremely boring. However, what I will say is that this angle that has led to his retirement is extremely good. Now, for the research that I did for having to compile five matches of is because that someone could call decent. It's interesting to see the people that he shared a ring with, and um, people that he not mm. that he could call equals, obviously. But you know, he's shared the ring with Fujinami. He's won the tag belts. Oh no, he hasn't won the tag belts. He's fought with Fujinami in a tag mm-hmm. team. Um, he's won the tag titles with Rikichosu. He's shared the ring with all manner of New Japan legends. In the nicest possible way, he actually has to has to. Say again. Like, he's not... In the nicest possible way, he's the Yoshihashi of his day. Yes. Like, he's not going to be the big guy, but he does well for himself. Yeah, absolutely. And he was a perennial tag wrestler. Um, I think he had one mm-hmm. shot at the heavyweight championship. Um, but go and check that article out on the website. We've had a really, really good response to it, actually, already. So thank you for that. But the reason I brought it up is that they have announced the actual card. He will retire on the 21st of February um, at a New Japan Road show. And the match he is taking part in is a six-man tag. And it will be Toriyano, Hiroyoshi Tenzan, and Kazuchika Okada taking on Taichi, Minoru Suzuki, and Takashi Izuka. Now... I'm slightly... It must be an absolute honour for him to end his career with Tai Chi by his side. 
Goff, um, I'm going to talk to you because if Chris mentions Tai Chi again, I'm going to boot him off the podcast. <laughs> it's all right. He says it's a heavy podcast. Um, it, I mean, I'm slightly disappointed that we aren't having Isika versus Tenzan. Um, but That'd be bollocks, it, it, w- <laughs> it would be absolute shite. It would. I agree. Neither man can go particularly, and a six-man tag is probably best to hide those inadequacies. Especially with, you know, people like Okada and Suzuki in the ring. Um, what I was thinking was, though, especially with it being a retirement match, don't you think it's more of an honour for him to have a one-on-one match as opposed to this six-man tag? Yeah, but here's the thing. If he wanted that, he should have retired about five years ago and he could still move. So, yeah, like, true. I'm not I'm not being funny, but the point where you lose your opportunity to have a final single like look at super strong machine he could have went he went out last year at a um road two show and he could have went out in a singles match against Eugene Nagata or something but um because of how he because of how long he held on he went out a five man with LIJ so yeah fair enough I mean all the matches on this card you've got I'm not going to go through all of them but the semi-main event is Osprey and Tanahashi taking on the killer elite squad um, that's going to be killer. That's going to be quite good, you know, pardon the pun. Um, and then you've also got a tag earlier on in the uh, in the card between Rapongi 3K and Suzuki-Goon team of Desperado and Kanemaru. So overall, a decent show. The opening tag is... Yeah, the, the opening tag as well. Robbie Eagles and Ishimori taking on Liger and Uemura. That's going to mm-hmm. be quite a good uh, match as well. I said earlier about New Japan having announced the cards for Honor Rising. Now, last year, it was based almost solely on the Bullet Club sort of infighting. Um, And Mm. that took over the two cards. I know that the main event of one of them was Marty Skrull and Kenny taking on Cody and Hangman Page, for example. Um, Mm. This seems to be a far more cohesive set of matches and one that it's, I'm it is much more a Ring of Honor versus um, New Japan Supercard than it has been in a couple of years yeah absolutely there are some decent title matches I'm only going to go mm-hmm. through the title matches to be perfectly honest because you know there's two cards of eight matches I'm not going to go through all 16 but just some highlights um, the fifth match of night one is a never open weight six man tag team championship match between Taguchi Yano and Makabe the obviously obviously the holders of the championship, the 19th champions, taking on the team of Cheeseburger, Delirious, and Colt Cabana. That'll be entertaining. Hilarious. That's going to be hilarious. I saw a match <laughs> between Yano. Uh, it was Yano and Delirious versus Dalton Castle's boys, and it's the funniest match I've ever seen. There you go. It's going to be entertaining. I'm not saying wrestling quality, but I'm not saying it'll peak five stars in the very, very you know prestigious Podmania match ratings. But um... It will peak five stars in my heart. Oh, well, there you go then. Um, the sixth match is a never open weight championship match between Osprey and Dalton Castle. I'm so looking forward to that. I love Dalton Castle. I don't get to see him enough because Ring of Honor is bollocks. But that's going to be I'm en- so looking forward to that. That's going to be interesting. And then the semi main event of mm. night one is a television championship, and I've got a feeling that this is what we should have had um, on one of the New Beginning USA shows with Jeff Cobb taking on Hiroki Goto. Um, that's also going to be a really, really good match because Cobb mm-hmm. brings out the best in Goto with that shadow. Yeah, but they've had a match before and it was one of the better re- matches of Goto's reign. Like There wasn't many good matches in that reign, but it was a good one. Well, I spoke to you about New Year Dash 2019 and mm-hmm. said that the best match by far was the Osprey, Kushida, Cobb, Goto, that match. And 
mm-hmm. said that Cobb bought so much out of Goto that it was it made me want to go and see a match. Because um, Cobb can because Cobb can just take all the punishment from Goto and then just push him over. Exactly. So. Exactly. Um, championship matches on night two. You have got the Ring of Honor World Championship match between Jay Lethal and TKO Ryan. Blah. Um, yeah, like, why not just throw a random New Japan, like a New Japan mid-carder in there? Exactly. Um, so, and this, this is what I wanted to talk to you about, because this sort of rolls into our New Beginning and Osaka review. I'm really sorry, Garth. I promise that we'll give you something to talk about in a minute. Um the seventh match, the semi-main event of night two of Honor Rising, this is on the Saturday, I believe, the 23rd of February, is the IWGP Tag Team Championship match between Sonada and Evil and the Gorillas of Destiny again. Now, we have seen this at the World Tag League final. Wrestle- um, yeah, The World Tag League itself. The, the entire World Tag League was bullshit, but this match yeah. was utter crap. Um, we had it twice and it wasn't good either time. Exactly. Then we had it at Wrestle Kingdom. So we've had it four times. Mm-hmm. Wrestle Kingdom, which was was better, but I can't help feeling that it was because of A, good guy Tamatonga, and B, the Young Bucks. Um, and both of which are now gone. Exactly. And now we've got it again. Why have we got it again? You could throw the- any tag team from Ring of Honor into this match. The Briscoes are on the card. Throw them in. That would be fun. Well, that's that's the next point. Um, they're in the main event with Jay and Mark mm-hmm. Briscoe taking on the lifeblood team of Juice Robinson and David Finlay. Um, I would love Finlay to win that match because I really like yeah. David Finlay. Uh, David Finlay's fucking great, the C-block champion. Um, <laughs> just... Amazing, amazing talent. Just love him. But yeah, I'm not looking forward to this tag team match again between Lij and the Gorillas of Destiny. I've seen it many, many times. <laughs> I'm skipping I, it. Yeah, I don't. I'm not see, watching it. I'm skipping it. I don't see how on earth it's going to be any better. To be perfectly honest. But let's let's enough of that. We did have a New Japan show. Uh, this took place on the Monday after our, pot, our episode 99 went live. Um, the New Beginning in Osaka 2019 from Osaka Edian, Edian Arena. It is the Edian Arena. Um, and we have a brand new IWGP heavyweight champion. Hiroshi Tanahashi dropped the belt after less than a month. No title defences. Switchboy JY is the new heavyweight champion. Holy fuck. Yeah, I'm down with this, though. Like... This is definitely the most interesting option they could have went with. Like, who has Tanner not feuded with at this point? They need some fresh feuds in there, and Jay White's going to give you that. One hundred percent. And I'm all in with his character. I'm all in with him. I think his entire shtick is brilliant. The only thing that I thought going into this match um, was that he'd been booked that strongly on this tour and all the Road Two shows that Tanahashi mm-hmm. at no point got his win back. And at, at, at the point of this no, match... No, which is rare for Tanahashi. Exactly. He put Jay White over so many times. It almost got to the mm. point where it was almost obvious and predictable that Jay was going to get the belt in this main mm. event. Um, and I know that a lot of people thought, well, Tanahashi has got n- literally no offense in it at all. He's obviously, you know, Tanahashi's obviously going to retain. But mm-hmm. 
honestly, absolutely gobsmacked that not only did he only come back from excursion a year, just over a year ago, but Tanahashi, the, the ace of New Japan, has dropped the belt in quite spectacular fashion. Mm-hmm. This has been an obvious attempt to get him over, which it has, unless you're one of those people who think that work rate is the only thing that matters, which it's not. Like, people in New Japan can carry him. He's going to be as good as Naito within the year in terms of in-ring. It's just, his, he has the best character currently. He's on New Japan. He's the biggest heel in New Japan. There's no point in not putting it on him. And he will adapt very quickly to it. Like people, people have always complain that New Japan was changed. Like people didn't think Kenny Omega of all people was ready when he moved up to heavyweight. Or I'm sure there were people at the time complaining that the fucking young lion who just had a bad match at the Wrestle Kingdom Okada beat Tanahashi after his legendary tag to reign. It happened, and it, it's gonna be good. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. Do you not think the whole Tanahashi thing was just a, a Holden? Period. Yeah, because to, um, to move it to move it to Jay White without having him. Because Kenny, off. Kenny dropped yeah. the belt. Um, mm-hmm. Had to drop the belt because he was on his way out. So, but they didn't want to drop it to Jay White straight away. Yeah, because so... we can't have Jay White win the G One because that would go against the story they're trying to tell with Tanner. So. Mm. It will be interesting to see what would have happened if Kenny Omega wasn't leaving the company. Um, Allegedly, he was going to hold it until the um, MSG show. In which case, would you have seen so Jay White win the new Okada? Oh, really? Okay. And then, has Jay White just sort of been slipped into Omega's place then? Yeah, kind of, because they need a top gaijin. And when, like, if you look at the pillar in the last few years, it's either been AJ, Okada. It's been basically the Bullet Club leader, um, gaijin Bullet Club leader in like that fourth pillar. Yeah, in terms of like the thought structure. So, yeah. Um, to be fair, who's who else would you have the championship on right now? Like, who else is credible? Who isn't already holding the championship? No, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. And as the four pillars go, Jay White is certainly there now. I think we said just before Wrestle Kingdom that he needed those two matches or three matches where they were <laughs> top level matches and I think he's had them now obviously the Okada one of Wrestle Kingdom and the one that we're going to talk about in the main event in a moment um, but aside from Okada, Tanahashi, Naito and now Jay White the Ooh. one person other than those four that I can see legitimately holding that title this year if it's not going to be one of those four is the person who announced that he is not leaving New Japan and will be taking place, taking his part in the New Japan Cup, which was can possibly I, the just, most exciting thing. Can I just say something quickly? But Golden Lovers Breakup has really affected me emotionally. Has it? Um, <laughs> Are you going to be all right? Like, because people asked um, Coach Ibushi how he felt about um, Kenny Omega going to AEW, and he just said, I don't think about him very much anymore. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Kenny Omega saying on Valentine's Day that he'd always love um, Ibushi, but he has to pursue this thing. And oh, it, it really has affected me. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Um, I mean, Kota Ibushi, you know, saying that he's staying in New Japan is basically like a brand new signing because not only is he staying, mm-hmm. he's committed for two years because mm-hmm. that's the rumor that's going around at the moment is that he signed a two-year contract. I don't think he's winning the New Japan Cup. I think that will still be Okada and I think that we will have Jay White versus Okada again at MSG because that's that's... That's a main event match. Um, mm. 
but Kota is one of the people, possibly the only other person outside the four pillars of New Japan that I can see legitimately holding the heavyweight championship. I could see having it happen with Suzuki just because every time he has a match, someone says they want to see Suzuki win it. So that could happen, but I think they want to have him like be the best who never got there type deal. Oh, yeah. Or Osprey. I think they'll catapult him up. Os- Osprey in like a year or two, not now. Yeah. I think Osprey's got to have. I mean, he's, he's, he's even... literally just become a heavyweight. I think that yeah. that's yeah. certainly on the horizon for him, without a shadow of a doubt. The, the way the man wrestles and the charisma of the man in the ring and the story he can tell in the ring now, now that he has learnt to sell, um, I think he will be there. I think he's got to get a couple of G1s under his belt and a couple of New Japan Cups under his belt and actually be seen as that heavyweight as opposed to that upstart junior, which is yeah. what he is at the moment. Um, but, you know, it's considering the elite left, and this is the last thing before I go into the New Beginning show. Kenny Omega leaving, Kota Ibushi staying. I will argue this is the best move for Kota Ibushi because... The Golden Lovers were fantastic. Unfortunately, we just didn't get enough of them in this last run. Did anyone else think that Kota Ibushi was sort of overshadowed by Kenny? Right, no. So, Ibushi is not under Kenny's shadow, but it's the entirety of the, the story of the Golden Lovers. And I had a much more concise thing about 10 minutes ago when I last said this, but <laughs> this is the Internet Problems podcast, apparently. Um, and just, it's never going to, it's, it's just the story. Kenny has always been under the shadow of Kota, not the other way around. I know people on Twitter have been saying the other way around, but like, they're idiots who don't know anything. At me. Oh, oh, fuck's sake. I thought we got around this. Okay, so, <laughs> at Young Lion CXT, again, okay, <laughs> don't at me. I've, I've done nothing wrong. I sit here, I placate people, that's what I do. Um, so, the new beginning in Osaka, the the point I wanted to talk to you about really quickly, Chris, before our internet inevitably cuts out again, is um, the New Japan Cup, chances of Kota winning it. Mm, well, they're not going to waste Kota Ibushi versus j for the first time on MSG, so nah, it's going to be Okada or Farley or something. It, oh God, don't tell me it'll be Farley. No, I'm with you. I think we should be getting an announcement soon of who is actually in it, but I imagine it it's Okada's to lose, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did have a New Beginning show um, a week ago today, um, and it was the New Beginning and Osaka show. What we'll do is we'll run down the card. We'll talk about the three main matches, the three matches this entire show was built around, but otherwise I'll just re-give you the results and basically a little bit of a rundown of what happened and the star rating that we gave it. So match one was Hiroshi Tenzan, Jusen uh, Thunder Liger and Kojima defeating the Suzuki-Gun team of Suzuki, Izuka and Takamishinoku after 12 minutes and 46 seconds via yet another DQ. The only real story point of this was that Izuka stopped Suzuki hitting Tenzan with a chair before then just absolutely demolishing Tenzan with that chair. And then both Suzuki and Izuka tore apart um, Tenzan's really, really shit best friend shirt. Apart from that, it was a completely missable match. I'm giving it four stars. I don't think it deserves anything else. Match two, we had the tag champions of Evil and Sonada defeating the Young Lion team of Shota Umino and Ayota Yoshida. It's 10 minutes and 8 seconds after a magic killer. Again, standard fare. Um, Evil and Sonada looked okay. I thought Shota Umino continues to impress. There's not a lot to say about this match again. 
four stars. Again, Chris, if you disagree with any of this, please jump in and tell me I'm wrong. Um, match, <laughs> match three, we get another, another, and I feel like I've seen this match about 15 times on this tour. The Losing Nobles de Hapon team of Naito, Bushi, and Shingo defeating the Suzuki Goon team of Taichi, El Desperado, and Kanemaru at 11 minutes and 02 with Naito pinning Kanemaru after a Destino. I will say now that I am sick of Kevin Kelly screaming Destino over the top of the move. I completely on board with you now. Yeah, completely Thank on board. You. This one, it, I think I since you... That. I got sick of that from WrestleMania. Wrestle Kingdom, I know. Wrestle I, Kingdom, try the fucking G1. I mean, to be honest, I was once Chris had pointed it out, it hadn't bothered me before, but he did it over the Everything is Evil when Evil beats um, Zack Sabre Jr. in Sapporo. And I was like, oh, okay, that's that's quite irritating. And then he did it here, and I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, shut <laughs> up. Um, it was, you know, again, standard fare. I'm sick of seeing Taichi and Naito now. I hope they don't engage in, like, the next year and a half. Um, it, it improved slightly when the two junior teams um, entered. Shingo is, again, the star, as he, you know, as he is wont to be. I'll give this match five stars. It was better than the opening two. Post-match, Rapongi 3K appeared, top of the ramp, taking the junior tag belts, and they are challenging Shingo and Bushi at the anniversary show. And they got booed, Chris. Yeah, because I'm... <laughs> Not much to like about Rapongi 3K, apart from the fact that show is amazing. It's just... They're getting harder to like. They are, and I'm wondering if it's because they were... You know, what have they got left to do, really? Um, and unfortunately, we're at a point now where the junior tag division is that anemic that we are going to have to go on the same cycle of three teams for a bit until we've got teams that we can put in that. Because at the moment, we've got Bushi and Shingo, we've got Kanemaru and El Desperado, and we've got Rapongi 3K. How one more team would make uh, one more team winning the championships would make another good year of um, feuds. Like bring CCK in, like Gresham and Brooks, that'd be amazing. Yeah, I mean you've you've got a couple of Ring of Honor teams that you could potentially bring in. You know, retro teams as well. Yeah, I mean you could team Robbie Eagles with someone. Potentially. <laughs> you know, Robbie Eagles is a fantastic competitor. I'm sure that, you know, with him they would be a very, very good team. Anyway, that's by the by. It was, you know, it was a decent ace match, as can be exposed to five stars, middle of the road match. Um match four was the Bullet Club team of Yujiro Takahashi and Chase Owens defeating the team of Tomoaki Homma and Yoshi Hashi uh, at nine minutes thirty-eight seconds after a package <laughs> pal driver. Is there a more boring collection of people? There wasn't. <laughs> the, it was it was the worst match on the card. Um and I say this, you know, considering there was a match with fucking Izuka in the you know, in the opener. This was the worst. There was nothing on the line. Uh, they've made so much about Yoshihashi's return and then have done fuck all with him. He's still mired in this meaningless New, meaningless new Japan tag team hell. Um, and, it, you know, Homer, every time he takes the bump, it really scares me. And the fact that he was the one that took the package power drive from Chase scared the living shit out of me. Um, but, you know, Chase Owens gets another victory. What is there any... Is there anything behind that, Chris? Or is it just a case of someone's got to have... The they probably need more bodies in the New Japan Cup. They probably just need more bodies in the Cup, and that's why they're doing it. Yeah. What is your ceiling of Chase Owens? I mean, pushed, pushed. What are we looking at? I think he. This is basically it. Maybe a contender. Maybe just he's not. He's a first. He's first round fodder. That's what he is. Yeah. So definitely not main eventing one of the nights of Wrestle Kingdom. 
No. Okay, fair enough. I've given this three stars. There was literally nothing to report apart from the fact that Chase Owens picked up another victory. Following this, we've already talked about this, Kota Ibushi has announced that he will be staying with New Japan and has signed a two-year contract, which is fantastic. We've talked about this earlier on. Um, I reckon he'll do very well in the New Japan Cup. I, I'm very much looking forward to seeing him in the G1 again. And yeah, all good news. It's like a brand new signing for New Japan. This brings us to match five. The Gorillas of Destiny with Jado defeated the team of Toriyano and Togi Makabe, the most violent players, at nine minutes and 44 seconds with a gun stun. This was typical Gorillas of Destiny match. Um, there was literally nothing from, you know, that even strayed slightly away from the Gorillas of Destiny playbook, apart from the fact that Tamatonga. The amount of time that we've invested in good guy Tamatonga has been spaffed spectacularly up the wall at a new as a road to new beginning show, and we're back to the exact same shit again. So what the fuck, Chris? What well, so he's back to beating the people in the crowd? Get me started. Oh, he was beating people in the crowd. <laughs> I mean, this this shit was tired halfway through the G one, and we're now like past the Tokyo Dome, and here we fucking are. And the good guy, we love the good guy stuff. It's so good, like just so good. What happened? I hate it. Don't get me started. Move on. We've <laughs> we've raved about the good guy stuff, and unfortunately, that's just the case. Like I say, um, Tamatonga took the pinfall, hitting a gun stun on Toriano, and then proceeded to absolutely leather the fucking shit out of everyone with a kendo stick, from the cameraman <laughs> to the young lions to Yano to Milano Collection. Yeah, to Milano Collection <laughs> AT on commentary. Before my favourite part of the entire show, when he shoved a cameraman off of the ramp into the crowd. Or into like like a little that. gap between the crowd like and one. it looked savage. It looked horrible. But you know, there we are. They're presumably I'm being warmed POV up. Shot. They're presumably being warmed up for their tag team shot at Honor Rising. So whoop de doo, we get maybe to see the, that um, again. Maybe the fact, maybe the fact that good guy Tama was offering all these free tickets and um, <laughs> hospitality, it's pissed off. Uh, Gidel and he's like, "Fucking, it's them or you." <laughs> <laughs> right, right, Tamer, This is my fucking dime. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. This is coming out of your pocket. <laughs> yeah, your wage packet, mate. Paying for all this fucking cultaholic shit. Good grief. <laughs> um, so yeah, five stars. It was a, it was a decent enough match. There was no botches, so I can't give it any more than that. I can't give it any less. <laughs> This brings us to the third to last match on the card, and this was the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship match with the champion Taiji Ishimori retaining against Ryusuke Taguchi at 16 minutes and 10 seconds with a bloody cross. Chris, what did you think of this match? This <laughs> exceeded so many expectations. Like Absolutely. It was like the Taguchi of old. He was like, actually targeting a limb. It was good, and Ishimori is so fast. I think you can make anyone have a great match. I really like this. Give it an eight, actually. It was really good. I am 100% behind you. I've given it eight as well. Um, that Dodon that um, Ishimori kicks out of, the mm. reaction in the crowd, that just goes to show how much the crowd still love Serious Taguchi. There was just enough comedy and parody in this match <laughs> without it becoming yeah. stupid. They had the exact right amount of bollock. Exactly. I mean, you got Taguchi coming down, taking the piss out of Ishimori's dancer gimmick from a previous promotion. And, you know, he was taking the piss out of the dance. And then Ishimori took a piss out of his own dance just to say, basically, no, this is how you do it if you're going to take the piss. 
Um, <laughs> and the Osaka crowd absolutely fucking loved it. And that seemed to bring Taguchi back into the right. I need to be serious, and otherwise I'm gonna I'm gonna lose. Um, even though with that dodon, which was an absolutely outstanding kick out by Ishimori because it got me, was there ever really a moment that Ishimori wasn't winning this? Um, split second after and um, before that, um, free count when he kicked out the dodon. That was basically it. Did you think that was it? Like- I, I was so close. Like, keep in mind, I had just woken up at this point. <laughs> just got on right as the match started. And um, just, I, I, that, that two count woke me the fuck up. Yeah, it was a really good match. It was far better than I thought it ever had any right to be. I thought we were looking at a six-star maximum. But no, eight stars, I completely agree. Um, Ishimori reversed a second Dodon into a bloody cross for the victory and to retain his first defence. He then called out Jushin Thunder Liger, who was sitting with the Japanese commentary team, and he has said he will accept the challenge anytime, anywhere, and that is the second title match that has been announced for the anniversary show. So, do you think that Liger has got a prayer in this match? No, not at all. Not in any way, shape, or form. You think they're just giving Ishimori victories? Yeah, like I think a legend killer thing could be cool, especially since all the like big good young guys are either in tag matches or out of the um out of an injury right now. So yeah, I agree. I agree. Really good match, far better than I had um I'd expected it to be, and that goes really for the semi main event as well with uh, Kazuchika Okada defeating Bad Luck Farley with Chase Owens and Yujiro at 18 minutes and 10 seconds with a rainmaker. Uh- I would argue this happens with every Fale um, Okada match because the bar is so low for Fale. But he, he has a good match with Okada and we just forget because it's so long between Okada Fale matches. It's there. I believe this victory brings Kazuchika Okada up to 4 3 in their personal uh, sort of face off. Um, mm-hmm. I think was, they were 3 for 3, weren't they? Um, now. I think a lot of this is Okada's ability to sell Fale. I mean, yeah. the amount of selling Okada does, that back body drop that basically launched Okada into the ceiling, and when he came down, and then it zooms in onto Okada as he rolls out, and he's literally coughing up a lung, is just, it's absolutely spectacular. Okada is just ridiculously talented. Ridiculously so. <clears throat> absolutely. Um, there's not really much to say about this match, because it's a Fale Okada match, but it's probably one of the better examples of a Fale Okada match. I'd give it a seven. I've also given it a seven. I'm so glad we're on the same page, Chris. It makes this so much easier. Um, it really does. <laughs> basically, we had some interference from Chase and Yujiro, obviously, with Yoshihashi making the save um, before he then got absolutely obliterated by Bad Luck Fale, which is quite funny. Um, That's the reason it's a seven. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. It also, I think it should be a seven for Yoshihashi actually managing to navigate his way from the ramp to the ring without destroying his own face. So, you know, <laughs> absolutely fair play to Yoshihashi. Um, the, the, I thought the ending sequence, even though it was absolutely fantastic, came out of absolutely nowhere because Farle inexplicably goes to the top rope. It's like, what? You don't belong up there, Farle. What, what are you doing up there? Don't go up there. Um, he's cut off by Okada, who hits an avalanche brainbuster, followed by a spinning rainmaker and a full rainmaker for the three count. And Hans Bullet Club, their first and spoiler only loss of the night. Um, yeah, I give it seven stars. I'm with you, Chris. Um, I think it was a decent enough match. I think this was made far, far better by um, Okada's ability to sell Farley's offense. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, because Farley is a very one dimensional 
character. He is, I am big man, I can hurt you. That's sort of the whole thing. Uh, but we move on to the main event. Match 8, Switchblade Jay White defeating Hiroshi Tanahashi at 30 minutes and 28 seconds with a Blade Runner. Wow. This match, Chris. Um, yeah, this is definitely the best Tana versus um, Switchblade match. It's weird because a lot of the spots are repeated. But like when Tana just ate shit on uh, um, Hi-Fi, Jesus Christ. Yeah. That that was actually scary, and the ending where um, Tanner gets caught into why? How is it? Why hasn't Bray Wyatt done that with the fucking he sister did. Abigail? Bray Wyatt oh, did, did do he that. Did? He caught oh. um, AJ Elimination Chamber, ironically, 2017. AJ Styles goes for the phenomenal forearm, and Wyatt catches him with the sister Abigail, and it's it was amazing. It's Bray Wyatt's best match by a mile. Um, ah, okay, so. But do carry I on anyway. Watch more WWE. I should watch more WWE. But that was a great spot. Um, first time I saw it. And it was great. I'd give it a nine. This is a really good match. And again, we're so in sync, Chris. That's what <laughs> I've given it as well. Um, Damn it, this isn't right. <laughs> <laughs> it's because we're trying to get through it as quick as we can before Chris's internet fucks up again. <laughs> um, in all seriousness, though, there was so many little spots in this match that harken back to previous encounters that it was just, <laughs> it was constantly like every single thing meant something obviously the entire thing and this was don Callis at his absolute fucking best because he mm -hmm. made you feel how bad tanahashi's knees were i think there's one yeah. point where he says there's no cartilage in tanahashi's knees it's literally bone on bone, bone on bone yeah <laughs> it's oh i i miss don i hate you guys when you um when you used to do impact because you used to get don Callis every week and i was stuck with fucking kevin kelly and whoever <laughs> and whatever wrestler wasn't on the fucking card i mean chucky t what the fuck well you <laughs> won't have to worry about that anymore will you um no. i like the fact that at one point jay white had to properly reach into his bag of tricks he had pulled out a kiwi crusher out of absolutely fucking nowhere oh, um yeah. which uh tanahashi kicked out of um you've got jay white sitting seems like forever in the clover leaf before it's then picked up deadlifted into the styles clash i love that um but yeah the one and then of course there was a high fly float to the back of jay white while he was crouched on the floor jesus christ that looked like it hurt um, oh yeah good god um but this match was up there was no doubt in my mind throughout this match that no matter how much offense tanahashi got in Jay White was walking away the champion. And I think, mm. you know, despite, again, we spoke about this at the start of the podcast, you know, despite everyone saying, you know, well, I say everyone, a few people saying that this was predictable and it made it quite obvious, I still loved it. You know, I still loved it. It's still a Tanahashi versus Jay White match. They haven't had a bad match, except for the Wrestle Kingdom one, but we don't talk about that. Um, <laughs> this was a really, really, really good match. They are both very, very clean. In fact, I'd argue that the the one bit that sort of stopped it being a perfect match for me was when Jay White grabs um, Tanahashi out of the air for the Blade Runner. It's a bit messy to get him into the Blade Runner. It is a bit messy, but also it's a bit of a contrived spot. It was like a cool spot because you don't see it coming, but it's a bit contrived. Like he has to get up as soon as Tanner jumps to get him in position. And like you have to be a god of timing to do that. So I don't blame it for being messy. Oh, no, absolutely. And don't forget, at this point, they are gone over half an hour, so the chances are they were yeah. exhausted. Um, absolutely. But overall, this show, it was the strongest on paper of the New Beginning shows, and I think it, it really did show. It really did deliver, especially all mm -hmm. three of those matches. I, I do suggest that you go out of your way to go and check out those three final matches. Um, but, you know, speaking of matches you need to avoid, seriously, 
Yoshihashi and Tomioki Homma taking on Takahashi and Owens, you can just bin off. In fact, no, you know, don't. Don't go out your way to say you don't watch that because it's going to make it sound like the worst match ever. It was just a boring match. It, it is, though. That's the thing. I mean, if you want to see the full write-up, I've done a full write-up on podmania.co.uk. You're welcome. So that you don't have to go and watch these undercard matches. But, you know, in all seriousness, those last three matches were absolutely fantastic. Go and check them out. So, Garth, you've sat in silence for quite a long time, haven't you, mate? About a I'm day, just, in fact. I've just been, uh, you know, just... Listening to the sultry tones. <laughs> you say that I have sultry tones. That's lovely, man. Thank you. Um, so, obviously, Impact had their television special this week uncaged. It had a very, very exciting card. Um, would you like to run us through that card, Garth? And me and Chris will attempt not to interrupt you, but we probably will talk about the main event and the semi-main event. That's fine. Um, it was. It's odd that it was... It was billed as a sort of TV special, but it was still regular runtime, so it was still only an hour and a half. Yeah. Uh, and 20 minutes, 20-ish minutes of that was the flashback of the week. It, it, <laughs> it baffles me that, you know, things like That's this, Redefined, thing. Under Pressure, all these TV specials that they do final hour, you still get the global flashback of the they've week. Got, and they've got so much talent that wasn't on this card. Yeah. And, it's just crazy. And considering there was a was it a six man tag that opened or an eight man tag? The opening match was um it was Tessa versus Tyre. Oh really? Okay. And it was excellent. Really? Their best match it so far? Really easily, easily. It was, honestly it's be- the best tire match I've ever seen, because I've probably only seen about five. But <laughs> it was it's one of the best test matches I've seen. Okay. Because it was totally different to what she normally is. It was a proper street fight, a real brawl. Yeah. Um, she, like Tess even came out wearing sort of jeans and a t-shirt. I have um, seen pictures of this. Yeah. She had the the four horsemen, um, t-shirt on. Um, ProWrestlingTees.com. Probably yeah. But no, because Don Callis kept saying it was the actual t-shirt that Tully Blanchett wore. Um. When he was winning championships and stuff, obviously it wasn't. But uh, <laughs> um, surprisingly well. Yeah, <laughs> and she's cut up as well. So probably, probably a bit pissed off. <laughs> but um, she He's came out looking absolutely going... just. What the fuck? Yeah, where's my fucking shirt? <laughs> that was signed by Rick Flair, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, that's she, came, she came down looking like so. Angry, pissed off, brilliant. Um, then Ty came out with her normal shtick. Um, apart from she had some fucking stomping boots on. Oh dear. Oh dear. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what she normally wears in Lucha Underground. Is it? Yeah. Uh, she was heavily, heavily playing to the whole sort of triple A crowd. Mm. Um, well, she has to. She's big there. But honestly, it was such a good match. Match. I mean, straight away, Tess gets out the ring, grabs the chairs, and Don Callis kept playing the fact that this wasn't Tessa's normal match, she's never been in a street fight, Ty is more at home at these matches, and it just fed into more the fact how good Tessa Blanchard is at, at adopting our style. Yeah. Um, honest to God, she was fucking brutal with some of the shots. Um, she, <laughs> there, was a, there was a bit where she um, she had Ty against the guardrail, and the guardrails are those immovable metal ones, yeah, yeah. And she had tire tire against it. She threw the chair at her, 
so she's obviously on the floor, threw the chair at her, and then took a run and drop kicked the chair into her face. Jesus. Against the metal railing. And there's no way for her to go. There's no movement at all. Um, that was a pretty brutal shot. Um, there was... <laughs> uh, Taya got thrown into the crowd, and then she smashed um, a, a cup of beer over Tessa. Um, that's always a good spot. Always. And then... Uh, <laughs> Tessa threw her back in the ring and threatened to hit the crowd with a chair. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, the guys, you can see the guys legitimately sort of flinch. <laughs> but all the way through this match, Tessa had this like bulldog look on her face. Just looked mean. Um, she was working the knees. She was, uh, Tessa started working, sorry, Ty was working Tessa's knees, uh, smash it with the chair and stuff. Uh, the Tessa put her head in the chair, smash it off the ring post. It was a full-on brawl. I don't even think there was actually any real wrestling done. Just kicked ten bells of shit out of each other. Shane Douglas was just sitting there going, this is shit. Yeah. Fuck <laughs> quick flare. And then they did the uh, the spot where they set the two chairs up in the middle of the ring and sat on them. Yeah. And slapped each other. Oh, it's always a good spot. Always a good spot. But then, but then Taya just stood up and just kicked him in the in the chest. Oh, God. Sent her flying off the chair. <laughs> um, it was just like I say, it was it was nonstop. It was so good. Um, they had this board set up as well. It was like sort of, it had like like Loka versus Diamond, and it was on this sort of. It wasn't a table. It was just a sort of like a wooden board in the corner. Yeah, it was obviously set up for a spear. So Tess spears are into it and t- uh, tie into it, and it doesn't break. They just bounce off it. Oh, Jesus. TNA counter f- for tables. They also counter well, for gimmicked wood. I, I think they just used a, a real <laughs> thick piece of wood. Um, she did that. Then they tried it again. It didn't work. So Ty just was like, fuck it, I'll get a table. Um, Standard. Got the, ta- got the table out. The table half collapsed when she put Ty on it. <laughs> it's like, fuck, this is a bit of a cluster. It's the now. opposite of Japanese <laughs> table. Um, but... I was watching it and um, Don Callis was working his magic so well because he kept saying, oh, she hasn't put the chair up properly because she's so like quick to want to get up top to get, get her through the table. So he was sort of working into the match. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she goes up on the table and then does a double stomp through the table. Jesus. Um, yeah, and then um, gets the win. So Taya retained, but Honestly, I'll give it eight. So close to nine, but eight. Eight out of ten for that. Interesting. Interesting. Um, okay. But then, I mean, that, that was the one that I really just wanted to sort of go through the spots because it was de- it definitely highly recommended. Of all the matches on the card, this is one of the be- best ones. I think as um, well, we've spent a lot of time doing the Impact reviews and we have really ragged on you know, the Tessa Blanchard Taya Valkyrie matches, mm-hmm. saying that they haven't lived up to expectations. So to have one that actually has lived up to expectations is quite refreshing. So I don't blame you for going through it. Yeah, and, and Taya, like I say, completely different sort of feel because this is her type of match and she was really all in. So basically um, what we've got to do is we've got to have matches where Taya solely wrestles a hardcore style. Yeah, just smashes people, yeah. Fair well, that's enough. what she's going to be used to, because that's basically all of AAA and all of Leech Underground. Well, that's it. I mean, it's just, it was just crazy spots. I mean, the double foot stomp. Holy shit. It looked hard. 
Yeah, I think I've um, seen that gift on Twitter. But it's it, no, like it's, it's definitely her best match I've seen. Um, then we just had the, oh, the flashback match, which was some random Bam for Glory match with um, I think it was from 2017 with James Storm, EC3, Eddie Edwards. Oh, against... is this one a psycho clown? No, it's... it was. Well, it was against three random AAA guys. Was the Hanno in there? Because I, I think I know this one. Uh, I can't remember. I fast forwarded it. Good stuff. <laughs> I just saw it and I thought this was sort of when TNA was at its absolute sort of worse. It was almost going out of business. Drizzling shit. So, yeah, and I just thought, I'm not there to watch retro stuff. I want to watch the, the current stuff. Um, so then we just had a, a few backstage bits with um, Team Impact, which was Sammy Callan, Falabar, Eddie Edwards, and Eli Drake. Sammy Callan just basically announced himself as team captain. <laughs> and then uh, walked away. <laughs> I love Sammy Callahan. He's just—he's brilliant. He really he's is. He's what we want Dean Ambrose to be. He is he absolutely, is, definitely. Uh-huh. Good shot. I like, but the WWE would never ever let him get anywhere close to that. Well, fingers crossed. You know, Dean Ambrose is leaving. Therefore, he must be going to all elite. Yeah. <laughs> fingers crossed. He does end up like you know actually having a match with Sammy Callahan that could be yeah. very very exciting um so after that one uh, the next match was pretty pointless and I don't see why they had this one on it was Ethan Page versus Willie Mack right um no real reason for it um, it was just honestly it was just an average weekly match decent shown from both of them but really didn't mean anything no. Didn't go anywhere. There was no story involvement either side, so it was just, a, it was just an average all right match. I'll just give it a five because it didn't really, like I said, it didn't really do anything. Yeah. Um, that led to um, Killer Cross promo, um, where he was sort of staring into this white light, and he looked absolutely fucking terrifying. It was like the light was right in his face, and then he took his glasses off, and his eyes were just fucking. Th- Almost 3D. <laughs> I mean, Killer Cross um, is just the best promo in Impact by an absolute country mind. So, so good. And he, he's obviously he just keeps feuding the fact he wants to kill um, Johnny Impact. Um, so, and then all in the same shot, which was quite well worked. You had Killer Cross and he walks off camera. And then the camera panned and you see Willie Mack coming back from his match. Goes into the change room and then the Chris brothers follow him in and ah. close the door. Okay, interesting. And that's the last you hear of that for the whole show. So this is obviously um, going to feed in to yeah, the next to be, sort of... Yeah. To be fair, it's not the weirdest thing Impact have ignored in the last year, considering they, ignored, they basically just scuffed over a vehicular homicide. That is true. Yeah, they did. True. Yeah. They did. The OGs did legitimately try and kill a child. That was a weird show to be a part of. It was good. (laughs) Um, After that, we had AAA, which was just a sort of average sort of um, Team AAA promo. Psycho Clown, Aerostar, Vikingo, and Kim Puma. I fucking hate Psycho Clown, by the way. He's the worst. I don't mind him. He's all right. He's, He's their top sort of baby face, so... He's going to be there. Um, and then then this is weird because Sammy Callahan is in the like the 
this sort of World Cup match that they're calling it. But then he comes out and does this bit next. He calls out Rich Swan, where there was, okay. we're told there was going to be a, a resolution to it. He was going to reveal it all. And he actually revealed nothing. <laughs> Who'd have thought it? He came out. He said, come on out, Rich Swan, blah, blah, blah. Come and put this shirt on. I've been trying to get you to wear for weeks. Um, Rich Swan comes out. Um, no, I'm not wearing it. Throws it at him. <laughs> Is that the promo? No. It's it just, it's just like, I think he just throws it down and then Sammy Callahan attacks him. So Rich Swan throws him out and then does a Phoenix splash to the outside. Fair enough. And then, um, uh, then Sammy ends up pile driving him on the, the, the ramp. So, yeah. So literally guess... nothing got resolved. <laughs> nothing. Because he's fucking done waste of time. I know he's done a pile driver on the stage, and he throws through him through the um, like the sort of the little tables that they have set up at the side conveniently oh, off yeah. the ramp. Um, so he threw him through that, and then that was sort of obviously he's taken him out until next week um, to find out what happens. But again, it's just they, they built this up so much that there was going to be some sort of actual big reveal or a resolution to it, but it's just another step. I mean, you can't go wrong with another step, to be fair. It's a nice, long storyline that's bubbling underneath. Um, mm-hmm. It would have been nice to get a little bit more, I don't know, let's say progress. Because That's let's... what I mean, like, the actual, like, the sort of meat behind the story. I mean, obviously you've got the Willie Mac thing with the Christs before this, and that's going to feed into it all, but I don't know, I thought, I thought they were actually going to give us some more stuff on yeah. this sort of special. Fair enough. Um... And then we had the um, <clears throat> the World Cup match, which was a bit odd because it was basically just America versus Mexico, um, <laughs> like in real life. And it, and it was it was a good match. It was decent. It was just a bit. It, it's another one of those matches where you think, who's the legit? Who's been tagged in here? Because everyone's in the ring. Everyone's fighting outside the ring. Everyone's fighting all over the shop. Um, and it's like an elimination style as well. So and people just seem to be pinning each other. And I was watching, I was like, I'm sure you've never been pinned in, uh, tagged in yet. To be fair, um, Lucha rules, uh, if someone rolls out, um, rolls out um, someone can just come in. Is it? Oh, well, yeah. they didn't explain that time. Um, but uh, it was enjoyable. I mean, there was a lot going on. And I've seen Aerostar before. And he's fucking... Get him and Phoenix together. Holy shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, him and Phoenix have been together in Lucha Underground. They were a trios champion. That's brilliant. Like he's, he's so good, and he's fucking insane. The stuff he was doing off the ropes as well. He's just sort of like jumping under the ropes, like landing on his back and then flipping forward. It's like he can go anywhere. Um, but Don Carlos was mentioned that they've signed that Vikingo. I think he's actually signed to Impact to work more shows, and he's absolutely amazing as well. He's the sort of upcoming starlet, I think, of Mexican wrestling. Yeah. Um, put on a good show. He was made to look like the, the sort of top one out of the, the Mexican side. Um, Psycho Clown was the one who pretty much won the match. He got a few roll-ups. Every, I think every every pin bar, one or two of them, was a roll-up. Really? Okay. There was, a, there was, there was the Eddie Edwards... Got pinned because Eli Drake um, 
had been sort of rolled up. <laughs> and then, uh, I mean, there's a storyline where Eli Drake is trying to convince Eddie Edwards to go back to being not crazy. Yeah. Um, and so he's saying, oh, you don't need the kendo stick, blah, blah, blah. So then Eddie, um, Eli Drake tries to use the kendo stick. Eddie Edwards grabbed it. Uh, so that's sort of... They're setting up a feud, obviously. Um, but this match more so sets up that feud. Um, Falabar. Fucking hell, Falabar. You leave Falabar alone. <laughs> no, he had actually quite a good showing in this. Um, he actually he threatened to do a plancher. <laughs> he ran to the ropes, then he stopped. Thank sort of God. climbed out, then jumped off the apron. Nice. <laughs> He's just a legend. Uh, <laughs> tweet comes up on phone, arena falls down in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was like, Don Callis made one quote, because he, he came up against Aerostar, and he went, uh, Falabar's ate bigger lunches than Aerostar. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Love it. So at the end, it was just um, Eddie Edwards versus Psycho Clown, and um, Psycho Clown gets a win because Eli hits Eddie Edwards with a cane. All right, okay. Well, that's um, nice teamwork. And that's it. That was the match. It was like I say, it was good. It was there was so much going on. It was hard to sort of sort of make notes. I was just yeah. sort of working from memory, but um, definitely sort of Vikingo came out of it looking really strong. And you've got the Eli Drake versus Eddie Edwards story coming out of it. Nice. Um, so yeah, I'll give that one seven because it was it was good. It was a bit. All over the place. Yeah, um, bit of a spot fest. But it was good. Um, and then, and I think they've been in TNA before, but Reno Scum were advertised. Oh yeah, they're coming back in two like, weeks, aren't they? I've seen this. Punk, uh, the sort of punks. Um, so that was advertised. Then you had um, Conan and LAX backstage. Conan was pissed off. Obviously. Uh, <laughs> Is he ever he's... happy? I was just going to say, that's default setting. Uh, and then he went, I'm going to go and try and get a rematch. So we're going to get that again. The Richard Brothers. I'm absolutely fine with that. Yeah. Do not um, mind that at all. We get another Sue Young and Ali crazy weird skit passage. I am not all right with that. Um, which <laughs> what was... the fuck is going on with that? Oh, well, don't, don't. Just don't. They were just standing there and the camera flashed a couple of times and Rosemary was behind them. Then it flashed a couple of times and she was gone again. That was pretty much it. <sighs> <laughs> Mind so, kids. Yeah. It's just um, boring. And then we had the the main event, which was good, but it wasn't great. It wasn't as good as the matches that have come before. Is it one of street. those where we'd hyped it and therefore it was a little bit disappointing? Yeah, and I mean the, the the Killer Cross versus Impact match from a few weeks ago that was like stellar. Yeah, this doesn't quite get there because there was again there was I think there was just too many people involved. Yeah, I can I can see that. I don't really understand how Moose had made his way into the match aside from helping well, kill across. But... To be fair, Moose was one of the best bits because he was so funny. Honestly, so like on Cage came out with his Terminator gimmick as well. Oh, okay. his fucking Pritstick. Oh, it, it's the most Poundland Terminator I've ever seen. It's, it's like awful. You've got, Ken, you've got Kenny Omega who's doing it for real. Then you've got Brian Cage who's asked one of his kids to make his outfit. <laughs> there are two types of people at Halloween. <laughs> That's That's Don't it. be a Brian Cage. 
those who buy and those who make. <laughs> um, but no, it, it was it was a good match, and like Moose and Cross were working together for a lot of it. Um, and then every time Cross did a move on Impact, Moose would try and cover him. <laughs> so Cross was pushing off, saying, "What are you doing?" And Moose was like, "It's okay, it's all right. <laughs> Sorry, I just got." And like Don Calvin was saying, he's just he's just caught up in the moment. He's caught up in the moment, and um, so then then Killer Cross turns around and Moose tries to roll him up, <laughs> <laughs> and like Cross kicks out and he's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> and Cross looked Moose. legitimately fucking pissed off. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I thought you were Impact. And like they do this like sort of makeup hug, and um, <laughs> and like Cross is like. Smiling, smiling, and then when he's looking at him, his face just turns. He just sambo suplexes him, tries to pin him. <laughs> you're, you're saying this match was disappointing, Gaff. This sounds amazing. <laughs> well, I'll get to it. I'll get to the disappointing part. But I mean, this bit was all fun. This bit was good. And <laughs> the thing is, it's not working to a few because after every time they did it, they sort of looked at each other and were like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yes, Gamp. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Huh? You cheeky um, tyke. But it's like, um, Cross did like a sort of three-way sort of um, top row sort of slam. As they do, you know, like the sort of... The Tower of Doom. Superplex Tower, yeah, and you sort of pull them all down. Um, and then Cage caught Moose with the drill claw. And this was the end in which, fuck me, it was so... Cage... Caught Moose with the grill claw. Then Moose took out Cage. And in between all that happening, Impact hit um, Moose with the shittest Starship pain I've ever seen. Like, he literally didn't hit him. But it's... Moose sold it as if he'd been hit with a, like, dropped a ton of bricks on him. <laughs> and, it's, uh, it's a fucking contrived move, isn't it? It's a shit move. It's not a finisher. It shouldn't be a finisher. Um, not when he's got the other one, like Moonlight Drive or whatever he calls it. Yeah. Um, I d- all of his moves just blur together because they all have really stupid names. They do yeah. all have stupid names. And he does, he does that. Um, he does a really good, um, like mid rope sort of um, spear. That's a really good move where he sort of jumps over the rope, jumps onto the middle rope, and spears. Um, but oh, fucking, hell. I was watching. I was like, please don't be the finish. And then obviously Cross is fighting with Cage, so Impact gets the pin, keeps the belt, the crowd are booing like mad. Um, and Cage is just like, what the fuck? Like he's, he's like, you still haven't beat me sort of thing. Impact just looks at him and holds the, thing, the belt up, and I'm like, you are the fucking most heelish person in this match. <laughs> in a match of heels? You are the heelist. <laughs> horrible. Um, I gave the match a seven because it was an alright match, but the finish was absolute dog shit. Um, so yeah, overall decent show. Uh, worth watching for the um, for the tire match, and this match was good apart from the finish. Um, the rest, <coughs> take it or leave it. it. Doesn't it's quite inconsequential. I kind of want to see the Moose and Killer Cross shenanigans now. It's good. It's funny because you just you know that they're having fun as well. So that that was uh, impact went quite long there, but uh, no, not at all. I've it, enjoyed your rundown was, of it. It was fun. Um, interesting to see what they come up with this week with the feuds that they're building on. I'm, I'm actually quite interested to see where they go with Eli and Eddie Edwards because it means 
Eli gets on TV more. Well, any chance of Eli being on TV is a good thing for me, so I'm absolutely fine with that. So yeah. thank you very much, Garth, for your impact rundown this week. Um, I'm definitely going to check out uh, check out Ty versus Tessa. I think that sounds amazing, and I'm going to check out the Moose Bants because Moose is yes. hilarious. Um, <laughs> so we move on to the WWE, and before we sort of we go through Raw, SmackDown, and Elimination Chamber, um, I just want to say, you know, add a little bit of news that we didn't get to earlier because <laughs> spoiler, we've had to do this podcast in two halves. In case you hadn't noticed, um. Spot the joint. Oh, spot the joint. Exactly. One of the many. Um, so, one of the Hall of Fame inductees of 2019 has been announced. And yeah. it's not China on her own. It's DX. But DX with China. So, yep. in some way, shape or form, China is in the Hall of Fame. I mean, that's amazing. Well deserved. Absolutely. Yeah, Great stuff. Absolutely fantastic stuff. People are moaning that it's with the X. I don't care. At the moment, I'm sorry, you're just going to have to deal with it. But it's still going to be China Hall of Famer. Yeah, so China that's... will be a Hall of Famer. Absolutely. And that's exciting. I'm happy for it. I really am. Mm-hmm. And well done. Well done, China. Um, so, anyway, we're going to move on to Raw and SmackDown before we go on to Elimination Chamber. So I'm just going to run through a couple of things from Raw, guys, and then, Chris, you want to talk about SmackDown, primarily for the gauntlet match that you enjoyed so much. Um, two main things coming out of Raw. I'll go through the minor one first, and then we'll go through the major plot, the major plot line coming out of Raw. Um, so the first thing is that the revival... Uh, beat Bobby Roode and Chad Gable for the Raw Tag Team Championships. This sort of proof, I mean, A, massively, massively, you know, just overdue. Yeah. The fact that the Revival haven't been Tag Team Champions at this point is absolutely baffling. And it is amazing what you do when you moan about your push. Exactly. It's not, you can't pretend this is the revival, like fixed and tag team wrestling on Raw is fine now. No, no. Like, this is like this is Vince, champion. This is Vince and... going, give them the titles, damn it. <laughs> I don't care, impression. they're just toys. Excellent impression, Garth. Well done. <laughs> um, I mean, it's obvious, it, it's a little bit too coincidental that this has fallen just after the revival very, very openly asked for their release from the contract. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know you've still got to put on decent matches. You've still got to show that the actual division means something. I mean, the the revival won the tag team championships. Did anybody really give a shit? No, not I really. <laughs> I mean, Bobby Roode and Chad Gable put on an excellent match with them. Um, in fact, I believe on a house show on one of the house shows leading up to this raw, they they went forty minutes. So, Jeez. you know. I'm hoping that this can be a springboard from which the Raw Tag Team division can sort of recover because at the moment you've got them, you've got the uh, Chad Gable and Bobby Roode, you've got the Authors of Pain, who half of which are injured, you've got the B Team, you've got the Ascension, I believe they're still a thing, and you've got Hawkins and Zack Ryder. I'm sure there is a team somewhere there that I've missed. Do we know what brand Heavy Machinery are on yet? Nope. Okay. They've been going across both. Well, there you go. So you've got heavy machinery as well. Out of those seven teams, taking one out for Authors of Pain, are any of them legitimate threats to the Revival? Um, B-team have beaten the Revival. Everyone has beaten the Revival, Chris. That's the, the thing point. thing is, now, now that the Revival are, 
tag team champions, they could do an Ultimate Warrior now and hold those belts to ransom. Oh my god, they actually <laughs> take them to All Elite. <laughs> we're, not, we're not bringing them back until you double our wage. Can you or, they can go to another company and go, we are now tag team champions. We want more money. Can you imagine <laughs> oh, that, they? turning up at double or nothing? <laughs> do the Ric Flair thing. We're the real tag team champions. Yeah. All you got to do is put but, a deposit down on the belt, you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, obviously, the second thing, and this was possibly one of my favourite things to come out of this weekend, uh, sorry, this, this week in wrestling, was that Charlotte Flair has officially been and inserted into the main event of WrestleMania. And people I lost their fucking minds. Right. This is absolute I'm, I'm bullshit. Right. This is ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. How dare they do this to Becky? It's like, oh my God, it's storyline. It is the greatest bit of storytelling ever. I absolutely love it. The fact that you've now got the corporate same. Charlotte. Oh my God. <laughs> The same people complaining about this are the same people going, there's no long-term storytelling in WWE yeah. no more. And um, no, because seriously, in one night, you made Charlotte the most hated person in the company, Becky the most loved person in the company, and Ronda Rousey a pissed-off champion. I know, how dare they insert the best female wrestler on the whole roster into the main event? How dare they, Garth? No, no, how no, no. dare she's they? Not candy fl- she's not Candy Floss. Oh my oh. fucking Christ. God, <laughs> Oh god! I think I landed in you, Chris. Every week, <laughs> just just listen to the disdain in mine and Garth's voices. Just listen, Chris. No, it is. You know what's even worse? I don't even know who she is. <laughs> don't I've don't show seen, him. I've never seen her. Don't show him. Don't you dare show him. <laughs> she's she's happiness and kind, but not like uh, yeah. It's it's a good angle. People complaining about this do not understand wrestling. No, not at all. It's absolutely no, fantastic. Like and there's quite there's a lot of people drawing the parallels between the Stone Cold Steve Austin storyline and then sort of going, well, Charlotte is the corporate rock in that situation. Yes, of course it is. It was a storyline that worked. Sorry, do you not notice that the Daniel Bryan storyline from WrestleMania 30 was lifted almost move for move from the Chris Benoit match? You know, also, that rock one was like 20 years ago. I know. Deal with it, guys. And 20 years ago, 20 you know years what? Ago in, the, in the 90s, they were pulling shit from 20 years before that, from the 70s. So, deal with it. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, Go on, Chris. But so, there's somewhat segues onto SmackDown. Charlotte is now cutting the best dramas of her career because her voice fits a corporate champion. It does. And I'm sorry, Charlotte is not a face. She she just she cannot do she, uh, face. She can't do it. The nat- whole naturally superior thing, you just can't. Exactly. Which is the same. Which is the same for Becky. She doesn't do heel. She does mm-hmm. badass, but not heel. Yeah, exactly. It's like Austin the same could way not Kenta do heel. Can't be a heel. Kenta can't be anything in the WWE. <laughs> I said Penta, but I know, no, oh, no, Penta. Uh, oh, I apologize. Yeah. I said Kenta. <laughs> I mean. Neither of them are in the WWE anymore. Let's move on. So SmackDown, Chris. And, so this actually is great. On to, actually, you know what they did on SmackDown? They played Charlotte being um, announced, and then as soon as her music would hit, like on the Titan Tron, that's when they started her music. It was fucking great. But um, she's cutting the. She came out, cut a promo, going, "I don't care. Like this, I, I'm the best for business, etc. Best promo of her fucking life." And then there was a six-way to decide who goes first into the chamber, which the Iconics actually did really smart, where they just didn't tag in because you get nothing if you win. So, 
Like, so we just didn't tag in. It Like, I love the Iconics. They're fucking great. Um, chicken shit heels. And so who won that? I forget who won that. Anyway, so next was an amazing Miz and Usos segment. <laughs> where, like, the Usos were going, this is blood. We I, I know everything about him. And then, like, Shane was like, I know everything about Miz. It's like, and Miz is like, hey, what's my favourite food? Quiche. Quiche. Wait, quiche. <laughs> It was absolutely amazing. I don't care what anyone says. I'm thoroughly entertained by Shane and Miz. I love it. But um, moving on, the Garment match. Oh my god! Like they made a star of Kobe Kingston in one night. I won't go through all of it, but basically, he went 15 minutes with um, Brian. He um, surprised Joe, um, and he you didn't get past AJ because AJ targeted the leg. AJ was actually great. He was like, "Look, I'm not. I won't fight you. Just go out. Like you, you got this far. Just go." And Kofi was just pushing him, going, "No, I've been here fucking longer than you. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna fight you." But then he gets put out, and then Orton comes out out of nowhere, RKO's um, AJ for the win. It was amazing stuff. Like, and I'm abridging it for the sake of time, but like seriously, go and watch this. Like Kofi, no, I did not expect Kofi to get past Daniel, let alone Daniel and Joe, and take AJ to his limit. And Hardy, actually, but to be fair, Hardy can't go that long anyway. That seems to be the, the, the overall consensus is fucking Kofi Kingston's coming out of this like a megastar. Oh, he has. Like, people were going, oh, that was meant to be for Mustafa Ali. I'm like, I don't care who it was meant to be for. I don't think this would have worked with Mustafa Ali. This was a perfect, this is a perfect story. They've made a star out of Kofi in a week. Well, the thing is, there's investment with Kofi because he's so long-standing. Yeah, like, you see it all the time. Like, when Kofi's in the money in the bank match, when he almost wins, the crowd pops because he's been yeah. there for so long and dicked about so much. And like, he's just great. It's so, I'm so happy to see him get this mini push, whether or not it continues. It looks to be continuing after the Chamber. But, oh, my God, like, the, the, the star they've made out of Kofi in this week has been amazing. It shows when WWE are back into the corner, they can actually book a really good angle. Yeah. It's quite ironic, really, that the person who's coming out of this the worst is Mustafa Ali. Um, yes. Because, you know, the underdog babyface that this was supposed to be was, as you've said, Mustafa Ali. And, unfortunately, that, put, that has, you know, by hook or by crook, been quite spectacularly made Kofi Kingston. Um, you know... Mm. When when they announced um, that Kofi would be replacing Mustafa Ali in the chamber, I was a little bit sceptical. I'm not going to lie. I, 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 I absolutely... groaned a little bit. I was like, why not Almas? Why not Ray? I, that was mine. Almas was mine. Um, but do you know what? I was like, do you know what? I like Kofi Kingston. He was, you know, whenever I'm on the WWE games, you know, me and my brother were playing when we were like 13, 14. He would be the person that we made, you know, the United States champion. He'd always be the one that we made when a towel because we loved playing as Kofi. <laughs> Um, mm. And then, you know, you look, you watch the gauntlet and you think, fucking hell, he, you know, he's still really, really good. He's not just, you know, a pancake shilling lunatic. Um, <laughs> and then you watch just that little bit. You can YouTube it where you've mentioned it, where he pushes AJ and goes, no, I have waited 11 years for this opportunity. And it's just like, fucking you go, Kofi. Yeah. <laughs> go, girl. Yeah, you go, girlfriend. <laughs> And, you know, and this is AJ Styles, who we all love, and we're all like, fuck off, AJ. Yeah, you get out of the ring. Go back to Wendy. Yeah. How is Wendy, says Samoa Joe. Um, 
But yeah, this ultimately, this made me very, very excited for Elimination Chamber. And I watched it this morning. Uh, Chris, I know you've watched bits of it. Garth, I know you have watched had... the cha- I've watched the Chamber matches. Okay, and Garth, you haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but I assume you're just going to no. chime in where you can. I'm not going to bore everyone with a complete full rundown of it. Um, I will, you know, we'll go through the match, we'll go through the star ratings, and, you know, we'll start with the pre-show, which was the Cruiserweight Championship match, uh, which Buddy Murphy retained over Akira Tozawa after 13 minutes and 25 seconds after Murphy's Law. Buddy Murphy is absolutely sensational. This, He's on another level. This match could quite easily have been, if it had been put on the main card, this would have stolen the main card, with the exception of the men's chamber match. This was absolutely outstanding. Buddy Murphy mm. and Akira Tozawa, because let's I will say it now, there wasn't just Buddy Murphy in there. Akira Tozawa was absolutely incredible in this match. But if you haven't seen it, and the chances are people won't see it because people can't be bothered to find the pre-show on the network, go and find it because this match alone is worth it. It was an absolutely phenomenal match. It's it's interesting to watch actually on Twitter and you see actual WWE superstars, you know, people like the Velveteen Dream are live tweeting during this show and going, why on earth are you putting these last? Why, Sorry, why are you putting sorry. these on the pre-show? This the, mm-hmm. the Cruiserweight Championship, if it is still on Buddy Murphy, which, you know, hopefully it will be, come WrestleMania, it's got to be on the main show. It it's got to be. be on the main show. If you think, if you think that that could be a ladder match, a Cruiserweight Championship ladder match between Buddy Murphy and, you know, two or even three of, you know, Cedric Alexander, um, Drew Gulak and, I don't know. Tony Nese, Noam Dar. Yeah, literally, you could name anyone. It would be an absolute show stealer. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, everyone loves ladder matches. So you put a ladder match on at Mania, everyone's going to love it. But this was absolutely fantastic. I gave it eight stars. I, there's just there's no way getting a, there's no way of getting around just how good these cruiserweights are. And when 205 Live is one of the best things you are putting out on a weekly basis, it needs to be given more more exposure on the main brand, I'm afraid. It's been that way for a while, though, with the, the big pay-per-views and the stick that first. It it always... It, they always put on a good show. I mean, even going back to Aries versus Neville, that was one of the best shows of that whole card at Mania. You yeah. think it's because it would kind of um, take the wind out of the sails of what's immediately before and after it? So I think that, that's exactly it. Break. And they're, they're, not willing to, they're not willing to sacrifice one of the quote-unquote big stars for the pre-show mm-hmm. no and that's a shame really because you know if 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 i had the choice at mania at the moment of putting either the cruiserweight championship or the united states championship on the pre-show i know damn well which one i put on the pre-show yeah you know what though i'd be very happy if cruiserweight championships that again defended at takeovers i think that might be a good course of action just to give it any kind of exposure because this match will have got nowhere near the exposure it should have done. And if you are listening, you know, we've got a fantastic um, listening figures for the last show. So thank you for that. And we got a lot of listeners in America. Please go and check out the Cruiserweight show, the Cruiserweight match on the pre-show. Please go and do it. Um, we then got the Women's Elimination Chamber, the Women's Elimination Tag Chamber. This was not, as Michael Cole said, for the WWE Women's Championship. It was for the tag team championships. Michael Cole, you fucking. By the way, those tag belts look like a shit in the promotions tag belts. I quite like them. I quite like them simply because they're different than the WWE Women's Championships. I'm I'm quite yeah. happy that they're different. 
Yeah, but like if you offered a plate of vomit after eating shit for five years, like they're not good. If we ever get oh. shirts, if we ever get merch, <laughs> that is what I want your shirt to say. You say that this every other podcast. I know you are you are a living quote machine. I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> anyway, the tag team elimination chamber match: the Boston Hug Connection, Bailey and Sasha Banks defeated Carmella and Naomi. Um, Fire and Desire, which apparently is the new name for Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. Nia Jackson, Tamina, the Iconics, and the Riot Squad in 33 minutes, almost to the second, to become the first ever WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. Um, of this reign anyway, because they have had tag team champions before. This was a good match. This was, it was fine. good. It it's was the fi- best tag ma- one, mostly because Callisto isn't fucking breaking up tags for no <laughs> Just because Callisto isn't in it. I mean, let's face it, if Callisto was in this tag chamber match, everyone would be like, Santina Morella all over again. I think it makes more sense as a tag team than Bailey and Sasha. But Well... Corey Graves was not letting that dog lie, was he? He was like, Sasha Banks stabbed her in the back this time a year ago. What's she doing tagging with her? Um, yeah, there was a great moment where um, Sasha pulled up Bailey. Yeah, they were harkening back really to 2018, yeah. And you can check out a retro review of that on our website, written by moi. <laughs> um, anyway, so, yeah, just there was a lovely harkening back to that. I don't understand the team of Carmella and Naomi. I, I mean one of them's a face one of them's a heel I don't really understand that no no amount of dance breaks is going to make Carmella a face I think she's a far better heel than she is face they were sort of a team thrown together to go into it whereas every other one sort of made sense I thought they had a fantastic showing for Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville especially Mandy Rose you know if the rumours are true that Vince is hot on Mandy Rose it was very very clear here. I mean it's very, cl- it's very clear she is because during the entrance they blurred out Sonya Deville <laughs> they did and do you know what I love Sonya Deville absolutely loves so, on you she's gotten so much better like she was shite this time last year but she's gotten so much better oh she has she's massive and to be fair so is mandy rose because yeah even in nxt where she hadn't had a lot of tv time before she came up she was dog shite and you mm-hmm. know she was basically she was basically a not very good Liv morgan and when Liv morgan came up she wasn't very good either so that's not a compliment you'd have, you'd have thought been, these would have been two of the um, stand out from the tough enough roster. Exactly, exactly. Um, Nia Jax. Um, every time she touches someone, now it gets to the point where I'm like, is she going to injure someone? And that's, oh, that's not the right way you should be thinking about it, someone. It's not just that. How does Tamina still have a job? I d- She's I d- shite. She did one thing, and that was the splash onto both of the. Was it both of the iconics to eliminate I think them? So. Um, Nia Jax. In fairness to her, she went through a pod. And she went to go and spear Bailey, missed Bailey, and went through the glass of the, you know, the glass of in inverted commas. Fucking hell! Because apparently, um, big people can't um, change their direction when they're going past five yeah. miles an hour Jeez. in WWE. Christ. Honestly, she went through it with the same reckless abandon that has led to so many injuries. It's no wonder <laughs> she injures people. Fuck me. Um, the Riot Squad looked decent for the short time they were in it. They have they did the twin cross bodies off the top of the pod. Um, the Iconics. Now the Iconics. There was a very very funny bit where they locked themselves back in a pod so they didn't have to face Nia Jackson to me. That that was very very funny. What I was the CM Punk spot. Yeah. What I will say is, I love the Iconics. Peyton Royce, new hair, very nice. One thing I will say is that the <laughs> the women's revolution, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Um. Their voices are so fucking shrill. 
Don't get racist now. <laughs> oh my god, Billy Kay especially when when everyone was down and they got let out of the pod and he just went around pinning everyone, which is what Elias did last year in the men's chamber. Just yeah. every time that someone kicked out, they would scream, and it got to the point where it was like, okay, this is this is deafening now. This is this it's, is not nice. This is gonna sound weird. But Billy Kay reminds me of my cousin just because of how she fucking acts. It's okay. weird. I'm going to quickly spoil it for you now and say Billy Kay is not your cousin. <laughs> Don't go tweeting that shit cousin. out, okay? <laughs> Chris is not related to Billy Kay. I, I like I like how you're trying to pinch a new gimmick in the bud right before us. <laughs> 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 Related um, to random wrestlers. <laughs> um... So we then got to the sort of the the closing stretch, and it was between the the two teams that actually started out. It was the Boss and Hug Connection and Fire and Desire, and the entire match they played very very well on Sasha Banks's injury that sort of almost kept her out of Elimination Chamber, and she went and locked Sonya Deville in the bank statement, but couldn't lock it in with both arms, so she wrapped her leg and held her leg around the face of Sonya Deville, and Sonya Deville taps out. Boss and Hug Connection get a massive pop. They are the first WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. Overall, a good match. Very, very serviceable. I thought there were some really good spots. I'd give it seven stars. I'd go six. And the grand scheme of Chambers has sort of been below a half, but just because of how many Chamber matches they've been. But... No, it's good. I'll I'll give it six. I'll 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 concede for the sake of niceness, just to freak Garth out some more. Um, we mm. then, we then got a match for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships, and it was the Usos defeating the Miz and Shane McMahon for the WWE SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Who knew, boys? All you had to do was get yourself arrested for assaulting a police officer to win the Tag Team Championships. What three days later? Fair play to him. Vince is just looking at that going, oh man, he's legit. (laughs) Yeah, what a badass. In all seriousness, this match started off with The Miz coming out and sort of cutting a promo on the crowd. He then said that him and Maurice have got another announcement and they are expecting their second child. So That was quick. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, So, you know, congratulations to them both. Um, The Miz then said he was dedicating the match to his father, Maurice, his daughter and his unborn child and promptly lost, which is always nice. Um, but this was a very, very, very enjoyable match. Far more enjoyable. Didn't dedicate it to a dead guy. No, obviously not. <laughs> it was far more enjoyable than I thought it had any right to be. Um, Shane McMahon did Shane McMahon things. He hit one of the Usos with the Ghost to Coast, then went immediately to the opposite corner to do it to the other Uso and got super kicked out of the sky. That was, you know, incredibly entertaining. Um, we then got him doing the um, elbow drop through the announce table. Um, and then the ending came when The Miz goes for... Um, he hits, score-crushing finale, goes for the pinfall. Um, I think it's Jimmy kicks out at two and sort of in the process of kicking out at two, sort of rolls The Miz up. And the Usos are your new tag team champions. I thought this was, again, really enjoy- far more enjoyable than... McMiz, as we'll call them from now on, uh, McMiz's match against the Bar. I thought that the Usos were a far more suitable opponent for them. Their contrasting styles sort of helped. I assume that the Usos are now going to hold these belts till Mania. Who do you think they are going to face at Mania? Um, who could they possibly face? Who's, who's like new? I think he'd have to do an NXT call up at that point to have an interesting feud. Let's Mania. have a machinery go there. Is that an interesting feud, though? I'll be honest. If Heavy Machinery 
got put into that spot ahead of Sanity, I'm afraid my head might explode. Well, Sa- Sanity are done. I don't think they were. They're just going to be like the, the new Ascension. It's just absolutely ridiculous how they've been used. I mean, I will admit that, you know, fair enough, their gimmick doesn't come across that, that well on the main roster. It's similar to how the Wyatts came across, but without the, you know, smoke and mirrors. But it's it's ridiculous how they've been used. They've been they've been on one pay-per-view since they've been not the Extreme Rules p- like pre-show against the mm-hmm. New Day. That's fucking bollocks. You know what's funny? When I, when I, when I was at a SmackDown house show um, in November... And there was a kid sitting next to me. And you know, like when the parents obviously checked out. So the kids just kept turning around and asking me questions. And he just turned around when Sanity came out going, who are these? Was it because he thought you were Jesus? <laughs> Maybe. I think most people do just think I'm Jesus. Reggae Jesus. Um, so, yeah, it was, I don't know. I, I'd love to see Sanity in that position. I imagine we'll have another Usos New Day match which i'm more than happy with you know they always put on fantastic matches um i hope in my ideal scenario it will be the usos taking on xavier woods and Big E with kofi kingston in the main event of wrestlemania but that is well in the championship match of wrestlemania it's not going to happen but that that would be ideal um i think it's criminal as well that shame McMahon has had more of a run with this tag team championship than sanity i think it's ridiculous the man is 51. What the fuck does he want with the tag team champion? He's 51 and still the best in the world. Wow. He can do a shooting star press, mate. At 51, this man can do a, some, a shooting star press. To be fair, he's had the funniest segment of the year about this segment the other night. So. <laughs> um, I'll be honest, guys. I struggle to get out of my chair sometimes. And I'm 28. <laughs> like Genuinely, sometimes lifting my arms above my head is a little bit too much effort. He can do a shooting I... star press. I sometimes struggle to get out of bed, but I don't think that's a physical thing. <laughs> Just, you're tired. <laughs> <laughs> um, we then got on to the fourth uh, match, uh, the third match, sorry, of the main card, the fourth match overall, with Finn Balor defeating Bobby Lashley and Leo Ross in a handicap match for the WWE Intercontinental Championship at 9 minutes 30 after Finn Balor hits Leo Rush with a coup de gras. Um This was, by the by, yes, you did call it almost to the letter, um, Bobby Lashley has the match won. He's warming up for a spear. Leo Rush blind tags himself in, goes for the frog splash, misses it. Coup de gras. Finn Balor is your champion. Um, it, it this was so obvious. It was really. I mean, I said to you when you said that it was going to be Finn Balor to win. I said to you that I thought it would be better for Balor to sort of get the belt at Mania. And, you know, to have that moment. But I suppose, you know, to him have a belt at Mania is going to be fantastic as well. It'll be interesting to see who he takes on for the belt at Mania because thinking about the Raw mid-card, I mean, all I can think of at the moment is Baron Corbin and Braun Strowman. Is there anyone else on the probably, roster? Lashley would probably... Lashley could get a rematch. Um, EC3. Drew. Drew. EC3, Drew. Um, I suppose Elias as well. I'd quite like to see Elias. Whether it'll be him, I don't know, but... Yeah, Owens. Owens is back for Mania, isn't he? Owens is back. He actually was back on this show, um, but I didn't see it because I fast forwarded it. I fast forwarded it, so I just wanted to see the match. Oh, I I actually saw the segment. Um, He said um, he wanted the right squad to win. He wanted Balor to win, and also pineapple and pizza was a sin. Oh, good. Well, Well, at least we didn't. Yeah, (laughs) at least we didn't waste Kevin Owens' return then. I gave it six stars anyway. It was a serviceable match and I'm giving it an extra point because Finn Balor won and it was a nice thing. 
We then got on to the Raw Women's Championship match. And Ronda Rousey, the current champion, defeated Ruby Riot via armbar in one minute and 40 seconds. What was the point in that? Now, I perfectly understand you are trying... You know, there's been so much focus on Becky and Charlotte that you might even forget that Ronda Rousey even holds the belt. But to squash Ruby Riot in one minute... I completely agree you need to make her look strong. But you've got Alicia Fox on that fucking roster. You've got Dana Brooke on that fucking brand. You've got Nikki Cross, who they've done fuck all with. And I'm sorry, Nikki Cross is going to be a jobber. That That's just what is going to happen to her. Her hit does not... It does not at all translate to the main roster. And you've got Lacey Evans, Tell who appeared for no fucking reason at all to just cut a promo, presumably while they repaired the chamber. You've got four women there who this would have been perfect for. They get onto a pay-per-view, and they get to wrestle the champion. What a waste of that, Ruby Riot! You say that, though, um, about Nikki Cross. For the Redeemer Body and the Tag Team Championships, and you know it would be a great... Like, I'm not kidding. What would be a great tag team is Candy Plus and Nikki Cross. Like, Candy Floss feeds Nikki candy and that's what gets her all ramped up and that's how we win. Do you mean, do you mean Candy Cross? <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, oh, book me on creative, Vince. Um, uh, this is my fucking idea, don't you take this from me? <laughs> this, this was bullshit, is what this was. I've given it two stars because... Two, that's generous. Wow. I, I've given it two stars because, A... You can't give a one-minute match anything, you know, higher than a four. But then the fact that this was Ruby Riot as well, and I'm not saying Ruby Riot should be in the main event, obviously not, but she should not be being jobbed out to the champion as though she's fucking nobody. Maybe have Ruby in the chamber and have Liv job. Exactly. Something. Exactly. Just any other member of the Riot squad. I mean, Liv, don't get me wrong, I've, I've said she wasn't great in the ring when she first came up. I think she's improved massively as well, and I thought she was actually really, really... She was actually smoother, I thought, than Sarah Logan was in the chamber. Um, but she she could quite easily be jobbed out here. Just get, give them a match at Fastlane and actually have a match. Because this just stank of... Do you know what? We haven't got a lot of time. We need Ronda Rousey to look strong, let's job Ruby Riot out. What a waste of time. Complete Why waste of time. Why didn't they just do um, a champion versus champion match? Because it's not Survivor Series, guys. That's not beginning. I know, but where's Asuka? Where's Asuka? <laughs> that is a good point. That is a good point. This was a very, he's very raw, heavy show. Screaming. He's probably just screaming at someone in Japanese. Probably. It'll be interesting to see where Asuka takes on at Mania. Because if Charlotte and Becky are both going to be in the main event, who have you got? I mean, I don't really want to see Asuka versus Naomi. I definitely don't want to see Asuka versus Carmella. That fucking match is burned into my brain from Money in the Bank where James Ellsworth came back. Um, I mean, who else is there? I mean, you could have Mandy Rose, potentially, or Sonya Deville. Have Sasha jump over? Unless she's the tag champion. She's tag champion. Uh, so, to be honest, I'd quite like to see Bailey and Sasha taking on fire. Um, call, up t- call up Tony Stone. Why not? Shayna Baszler. <laughs> could be Shayna Baszler. That could be interesting. Il um, Shirai, Kairi Sane. Um, I imagine... Are they... Oh, Il Shirai. Il Shirai. No, Il Shirai is going to be challenging uh, the... Kairi Sane, why not? Yeah, bring Kairi Sane up, why not? Yeah, I think that would be a good match, Asuka versus Kairi Sane. Yeah, Io Shirai, I think, is taking on Shayna Baszler at um, NXT TakeOver. Yes, because she pinned um, Baszler on NXT TV. So. But I believe it's, it's not called NXT New York anymore, is it? It's NXT TakeOver Blacklist, I think I've seen it being renamed as. I think it's because they already have a TakeOver Brooklyn and we don't want to sort of step on the toes. So. Ah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, we then had, right now, 
I don't know if I said this on air or before because I saw it all sort of merged into one rage-filled hatred rant. Um, <laughs> but the next match was Baron Corbin defeating Braun Strowman in an ODQ match in 10 minutes and 50 seconds with the help of Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley. So not only are we getting more of that cavalcade of shit, but... Oh, fuck, Lashley was there. Lashley was there it. as well. No, Lashley was there as well. So not only that, we get more of this bullshit and all of this shit about how Finn Balor replaced Braun Strowman in the match at Royal Rumble was because we couldn't afford to keep giving Braun Strowman losses. I mean, what? It wasn't a clean last, to be fair. It wasn't a clean. Do you know what, though? Genuinely, I don't watch Raw anymore. I don't, because I'm sick of seeing Baron Corbin. He's a boring wrestler. He's got no charisma. If he was a charismatic heel, not even a charismatic heel, just a hate, a hate, just a hated heel. But he's not. He's just boring. He's just bland. He is the tofu of WWE Raw. He is just there, like a bad smell that you cannot get rid of. He's a teenager's sock drawer. You just can't get rid of it. It's rank. He's rank. The entire match was shit. And this entire thing of handing Braun Strowman yet another loss. Braun Strowman, by the way, who they booked into oblivion and no one cares about anymore. You had the hottest face in the entire WWE and you've spaffed it up the wall. Second time I've used that this podcast. So, do you know what? No, it's four stars and that is being fucking generous. I quite like Baron Corbin. I can't see where... Shut up, Chris. I can't (laughs) see where where they're going to put Braun or why anyone will care anymore. Can, can I can I defend Corbin for a second? No, you can't. Um, what worries me is that <laughs> <laughs> is that Baron Corbin is going to get a prominent spot on the WrestleMania card at the expense of the Cruiserweight Championship match. Hey, what you know? What have Corbin in the Cruiserweight Championship match? He's def- he's definitely two hundred five. If Buddy Murphy's two hundred five, then Baron Corbin is. If Shingo's a junior, but... that is true. Just have uh, Baron Corbin be the first two-time winner of the Andrea the Giant Battle Royale. Do you know what? I don't give a shit. Name it the Baron Corbin Battle Royale. I just don't want him anywhere near <laughs> the main card because he's, ha- he's he's the mainstay of Raw at the moment and it is dull. Dull as balls. And I'm just I'm not talking about it anymore. So, sorry, his, Chris. His NXT character was great, to be fair. Like his NXT thing of, hey, um, these Samoa Joe guys? Yeah, I've, I've never heard of him. Fuck him. I like that. <laughs> Like a like a wrestling hipster. Yeah, basically, it's I, I do I, I do like Baron Corbin. He has a cool finishing move. He's fine. Yeah. I I couldn't be less interested in Baron Corbin as a person or a character. He's boring. I, I thought you I thought you were gonna say I couldn't be more disappointed in you. <laughs> Well, I mean, that goes without saying. Um, we then move on <laughs> to, yeah, like I say, four stars, and you can't change my mind on that because I'm in charge of the star rating system. Um, so <laughs> we then move to the Elimination Chamber match for the WWE Championship with Daniel Bryan retaining over AJ Styles, Jeff Hardy, Kofi Kingston, Randy Orton, and Samoa Joe. Um, I've said to you guys before we came on air that this is the most in- invested I've been in a WWE match in for as long as I can remember. Oh, absolutely. Like, Jesus, what a, what a good match. Jesus. Like, but the fact we made Kofi Kingston run the gambit again, and it worked, because he's suddenly very fucking over. It's amazing. The reaction of the crowd is absolute <laughs> lunacy. Absolute yeah. lunacy. Um, 
I mean, just we're not going to run through the entire thing because it could take fucking days. But it started with Daniel Bryan and Samoa Joe chopping the living shit out of each other. I mean, I'm not saying that Daniel Bryan chops very hard, but you could unlock his phone with the fingerprints he left on um, Samoa Joe's <laughs> chest. Um, you know, then AJ Styles came in and AJ Styles just targeted Daniel Bryan, just tried to hurt him. He hit a phenomenal forearm as Daniel Bryan was climbing the elimination chamber. AJ Styles did a phenomenal forearm off the ropes onto the back of Brian and knocked him off the ropes. That was really cool. Jeff Hardy was an absolute... Honestly, you've got AJ Styles lying across the two ropes in the corner of the ring. Okay? He then does a swanton off the chamber, off the pod, <laughs> neck first onto AJ Styles. This man is a fucking lunatic. Watch the spot. It's just before he gets eliminated by Daniel Bryan. Honestly, you look at him and go, well, that's it, broken neck. He's out for life. <laughs> and he just gets how up. Has he not, how has he not been injured more? He's only been injured like two, three times. I mean, Chris, you've, you've watched this match. Can you please attest yeah. to just how absolutely ridiculous that spot was? Oh, I, I audibly gasped. It was like, uh, oh, God. I, I think with Jeff Hardy, the, the case is, it's like... He's, he is so broken, he can't even he can't get any more broken. He can't. He's at peak broken. Yeah. <laughs> so he just he just sort of manages day to day. <laughs> just honestly, he must have been it. It's no wonder he got eliminated straight after because honestly, fuck me. Um, but the real story here was Kofi Kingston and Daniel Bryan. These two, they've got amazing chemistry. The story they told, and Daniel Bryan yelling at Kofi Kingston, you don't belong here, you don't belong in this match with me. It was absolutely incredible. You've got Kofi Kingston doing the trust fall off the top of the set, off the top of the um, elimination chamber. Um, you've got you know him do, going for a frog splash and missing off the top of one of the pods, so he ate shit. The two count when he hits Trouble in Paradise on Daniel Bryan. The noise and the reaction from the crowd is absolutely deafening. I mean, the chance of Kofi were all around. You know, New Day rocks. There's a brilliant bit where everyone's still in the um, in the pods, and it's Samoa Joe, Daniel Bryan, and Kofi because Kofi comes out third, and it cuts to just behind Kofi, and there's a New Day rocks chance, and Jeff Hardy, unbeknownst to anyone else, is just standing clapping along to the New Day rocks thing. <laughs> it's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Hardy's like, I found a way to get myself over in 2019. <laughs> it was amazing. But I just wanted to quote a tweet that Mike Kanellis sent out um, just after the... I think it was just after the uh, the pay-per-view went off air. And it was along the lines... I this, actually. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. He said that it goes to show the reaction of the fans goes to show what a fantastic wrestler... The fact that the fans want him to win the WWE Championship attests to what a fantastic wrestler he is. The fact that the locker room want him to win the championship attests to what a fantastic person he is. And I just thought that is such a lovely tweet to send out. Mm-hmm. By the way, Mike Kanellis is the most wholesome Twitter on the whole of Twitter. Mike Kanellis Mike is just happy that he's still, you know, after what he's been through, I think he's just happy that, you know, he's managed to come out of it relatively unscathed. Like, have you seen his bio? His bio is literally just um, professional wrestler, um, father of whatever his son's name is, and lover of Maria Canales. It's, he's so fucking adorable. I love him. How do people, how do people boo him? I know. Like, his, his gimmick is he loves his wife. Plus... How good is his entrance music? It's like it's like oh. something off driving ballads. It's incredible. It's, it's, it's absolutely amazing. If I think of an X Factor, I'm singing that song. 
I mean, like that's got to happen now. Yeah, that's that's got to happen now. Um, Wearing the podcast t-shirt. <laughs> unfortunately, Kofi Kingston can't quite get the job done. Daniel Bryan um, eliminates him with a running knee. Um, and oh, just, I genuinely felt so sad for Kofi. And there was, you've, you mentioned it before, Chris, that there was a shot of the New Day sitting on the steps of the Elimination Chamber with their backs to the WrestleMania sign. And just, it's little nuances like that that just make you think shit that well done kevin done yeah you do one good thing kevin done well done um but like i say this match is the most invested i've been storyline wise in a wwe match in god knows how long and this brian exactly and this yeah probably since daniel bryan and the fact that they've made as you've said such a star out of kofi again after a week is absolutely mental i've given this match nine stars because I just I can't the emotional investment you don't get emotionally invested in a wank match. To be honest, it might have been ten if Jeff Hardy didn't almost kill himself. Jeff Hardy scared the living shit out of me with that spot. I actively encourage yeah. you to find it because it is scary. Um there's a one there's a bit as well when uh, Kofi goes for a bulldog on the outside on Daniel Bryan and Daniel Bryan literally just shoves him off and he goes into the um into the pod and I thought he concussed himself with his landing. Holy shit, it was horrible. But this was a fantastic match. Nine stars, do you agree, Chris? Yeah, I'd give it nine. Yeah, what a fantastic match. Overall, genuinely one of WWE's better pay-per-views. It didn't go a ridiculous amount of time. I think the running time was three hours and 16 minutes. You know, it wasn't hard to digest. There was a couple of duff fires, you know, the women's championship match and the Baron Corbin fiasco. Um but apart from that, a really, really good... So, I mean, when you've got Shane McMahon and The Miz taking on the Usos and getting seven stars, that's, you know, it goes some way to show how much I enjoyed the show. Yeah, like, I wasn't falling asleep during it like I was for Royal Rumble. The Royal, Rumble was, the Royal Rumble was fucking long. Like, I fell asleep during... I fell asleep during an AJ versus Brian match. <laughs> well, it wasn't the best match, was it? Let's be honest. No, it wasn't. So, ladies and gentlemen, we get to our final segment of the show, and this is our match of the week segment. We're each going to come up with our vote for match of the week, and basically, there's no real winner, to be perfectly honest. It's just a case of we give our... Wrestling vote. wins. Wrestling wins. Wrestling wins. Um, <laughs> next week, we're introducing a segment that Garth has sort of pioneered, Um and we're going to introduce that next week, and we'll sort of go... It'll sort of run in tandem with this. But let's start with Garth, because, you know, he did such a fantastic job. This sounds really condescending. I didn't mean it to. Did such a fantastic <laughs> job with the Impact Review. It made me want to watch it. I'm being serious. It because... What? Because I, I'm still keeping the home fires burning with the Impact thing. That's what it is. That's what it is. I'm really proud of you, mate. I am I really it. proud it's, of you. It's me little slice of wrestling which is only one and a half hours long true it is very easy to watch so Garth um, what is your match of the week well because I've only really watched Impact <laughs> um, honestly I'm going to give the Taya versus Tessa Blanchard match okay. my match of the week really really good well worth checking out you persuaded me I'm definitely going to check it out um, Chris go on you next um, Pat versus Osprey, like Jesus Christ, <laughs> that was balls to the wall. It if was there ever was one. Like uh, the only real annoyance is fucking CCK coming in and breaking yeah. it up. Like, I watched, um, I watched CC- that and I thought, oh, what the fuck? What's this? 
I know. Last thing, because CCK are such a good tag team, but they're wasted. In like, I watched the whole event, um, the whole high stakes event. It's the first retro show I've watched since Drunk Style Evolved, and like, it was fine. But then like this tag match comes up, and it's like CCK versus Ozzy Open, which are like two of the best teams in progress. And I'm like, ah, yes, it's gonna be mint. And then CCK are just walking around the fucking building the whole time. I'm like, but you have Jonathan Gresham, and you're making him do this shit. And they're trying to paint him as this... Never mind, I'm not going to rant about Rev Pro being bollocks. But, um, no, this match was absolutely amazing. Just these two obviously work amazingly together. Pac is such a good heel right now. Um, Spot of the match, like, Pac going for his tombstone gets countered into a DDT. And Jesus Christ, the way Pac sells a DDT is, like, it's the best one since Rob Van Damme. It's just great stuff. Um, I the end was the what, best spot. <laughs> oh yeah, that end. Like, he was just about to hit the black arrow, and then they're counting down. And like three, he's like, "I'm not gonna win. Fuck it. I'm not. I'm not taking the bump." Yeah, that's so good. And so it's like it's kept it's kept the door open for a rematch, which might means I might mean I'll have to fucking take out Red Pro for another month in a couple months, just to watch that one match or pirate it. Because seriously, I tried watching other Red Pro shows. That's shit, but. Yes, I enjoyed it. It was a really good match, match of the week. It's always fun hearing you bury Red Pro. Um... I fucking right. <laughs> so fucking like I tried to watch um, other shows and they're just bad. Actually, I watched the Pack versus the SJ thing, and the crowd was so dead. It was ridiculous. Anyway, move on. Um, I will. I will say that up until today, my vote was Pack and Osprey as well. Um, it was an excellent match, outstanding. I thought the commentary, I don't know what they were doing with the sound control of the of the commentary, but it was constantly just so distorted. It was awful. Yeah. Really, it's really bad quality. don't know how to put together a wrestling product. It was really, really bad quality. Um, but the match itself was absolutely outstanding. I thought, you know, you don't really want Pac to lose and you don't want Osprey to lose, really. You want to keep them both strong. I think this was the right choice, a 30-minute time limit draw. Next time, I hope we get an Iron Man match. I'd be more than up for an hour of those two. But... Um, partly to be different and partly because, again, so invested, you know, it's got to be the men's elimination chamber match because of what they've done with Kofi Kingston. Um, Honestly, it's neck and neck. I just picked my one to be different. Yeah. And I think, you know, all three of those matches are completely different in, you know, in the way that they're sort of staged. You've got a hardcore match, you've got an elimination chamber match, and you've got just a, you know, a normal singles match. So they all bring something completely different to the table, but... You know, there are matches of the week, ladies and gentlemen. Please go out, check them out. Please, they're worth it, trust me. It's been such a stupid good week. It has been a really good week. We've been spoiled, really. And that's probably why this podcast is so much we longer have, than our last we one. Have, we haven't even <laughs> mentioned Cole versus Ricochet on, on NXT. On NXT, no, we haven't at all. We haven't mentioned the Gauntlet match from SmackDown. Well, we have. We just I know, but not in the same. Because of time. Yeah, but not in the same breath as these three matches yeah. for match of the week. You know, we could have chosen three or four different matches, um, but ultimately, those are the three we've plumped for. So, ladies and gentlemen, that is it. Finally, for this podcast, it seems like we've been doing this for ages, and to be fair, it has been on and off for twenty-four hours now. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank you for bearing with us. Um, I'm hoping it's just a new record. It, it has. I think it must be. Yeah, because this. No, I, not just for that, but also for drops. Yeah, you have set a new record for drops. Hopefully your new post office internet is far better than the one that you were attempting to use today. Um, but overall, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We really do appreciate it. You can check out the podcast at all 
the podcast platforms, everything from Podbean to Apple Podcasts to CastBox to Podcast Addict. Check them out. We're there. Check out loads of content, including lists, features, all sorts, retro review blogs and all sorts at www.podmania.co.uk. You can check out us on Twitter at, at Podmania. You can find us on Facebook. It's at Podmania Podcasts. You can find us on YouTube at Real Rob... Uh, sorry, Real Rob Godwin. That's me <laughs> plugging my own Twitter handle there. Um, <laughs> at Real Podmania. Um, where you can also check out our EFED PPW, where I am absolutely smashing the ratings still. Um, then, you know, check us all out on Twitter, at Real Rob Goodwin for myself. Chris, where are you? Uh, Young Lion CXT, at me. Fucking stupid marks. Yep. <laughs> good, yep. That's good. Alienate our audience there, Chris. Um, yeah, any disenchanted uh, Rev Pro fans, just, you know, start yelling at Chris. That's not us, Chris, at Young Lion CXT. Um, Garth, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, at Drummond Jackson. <laughs> and hopefully next week we'll be back on a Sunday as opposed to a Monday. Internet, you know, fingers crossed, internet providers, you know, be willing, please, guys. Um, but thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys again soon. You've been listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Podmania, Facebook at Podmania Podcasts, and YouTube and Instagram at RealPodmania. And check out the website, podmania.co.uk. Until next time, wrestling fans. Wrestling fans.